Blog Talk Radio. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Backpagepress.com and by the number one non-updated hockey site in all the land, LCSHockey.com. LCS, like, oh my god! All right, Mike Dell. Yeah, Larry. Yes. Well, you made a little reference there to uh, in the second hour we'll be talking about the movie Joysticks, which features oh, a valley. Man. I need some money. <laughs> so that's good. But the the music to lead off the show, Larry, I was confused at first, and then I realized it was a tribute to our guest. Yes, of course it was. <laughs> and I believe our guest is here already. I believe so. Would you like so, to introduce him, Mike Dell? Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's Dick Belsky. Dick hey. Belsky, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. And uh, and. Uh, Dick Belsky from Cleveland. There you go. So uh, <laughs> that's exactly originally, right. long time ago. No, I listened to the big. I, you know, I always loved the A Team start, and then I listened to the music, and I was like, <laughs> "Did they play? That's a great song. Did they play that? Uh, that's. I mean, not only is it uh, Mott the Hope is one of my all-time favorite groups, but that's one of their best songs. So uh, I was wow. like, uh, "Is that for me, or is? Uh, uh, but it that's, was. I appreciate that's just that. Just for yeah. you. That yeah, is just yeah. for you, Dick Belsky. Because I don't know I could lose my Pittsburgh Cleveland, card for that. Yeah, Cleveland does not rock, so it's only played oh, for well, you. Well, it does well, rock. I mean, I, I, I would point out that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, so yeah. I mean, it, it rocks <laughs> well, to a degree. Yeah. Um, I, I have to tell you, awesome. I have to tell you, uh, uh, just off the. Uh oh, we lose Dick Belsky. Dick Belsky. Oh no, I don't hear him. Yeah. It's the uh, this Cleveland phones. Dick Belsky, yeah. if you can hear us, maybe try to call back in. Or maybe he wanted to Dick tell Belsky. us that he was just he's bailing. I think so. Yeah. Well, ghosted. I think I that's what the talking. kids refer to that as, Mike. Though you get ghosted. Because it shows he's still on the switchboard. Maybe we'll just hang it up does. on him and see what happens. All right. Dick Belsky, we call catfished. back if you can. We were we were ghosted. All right. I, all right, I hung up on Dostoevsky. Let's see if he can I hate blog talk so much. At least we don't pay for I, it. Oh, wait, we do. Oh, I, I, I'm blaming blog talk. I'm sure it's not Dick Belsky or his phone line or his carrier or wherever he's calling from his Skype account. It's blog talk. 
Yeah, I'll try and so anyways, Dick why don't you just interview me and then I'll pretend I'm Dick Belsky. Uh, Dick Belsky, I heard you got a new book out. Yes. No, I do not. Oh, no, here he is. Yes. All right. Dick Belsky. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I hear you we fine. You. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, hey, so. I- we lost you again, Dick Belsky. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh, I hate no. you, Blog Talk. I hate you. <laughs> I hate Blog Dick Talk. Dick Belsky. All right, how about let, let's do an experiment, Mike Dell. Real quick, let's bring on Jank and see if he cuts off when he starts talking. All right. All right. <laughs> Jank. Oh, I guess I should start talking, huh? Yeah, just say something. Oh, all right. Oh, we can hear you. <laughs> it was the best right. of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> all right. That's, all right. <laughs> that's pretty, so all right, we're going to put you back on hold, <laughs> and then we'll check okay. with Dick Belsky again. All right. He hung up again. Well, well, yeah, he hung up again. Let's see. Third time's the charm. So, uh, no, I do not have a new book coming out. But thank you for asking. Huh. That's it? Interview's over? Yeah, well, I'm trying to message the, the Dick Belsky. I can't wow. see you one thing at a time. I don't know. I don't understand what's happening. All right, there he is. He's back on again. Well, can you click that him on? Maybe? I, that time I yeah. lost you completely. I couldn't. I couldn't even hear you at all. I mean, it was just oh, dead okay. silence. All right, we can hear you now, Dick Belsky. All so. right. Uh, uh, I, 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 you know, I want to blame you guys, not me. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't really know. It's, it's a landline. It's my landline too. It's not a cell phone. It's an actual. It's an old-fashioned uh, phone. You know, the kind they used to have. You know, with like a rotary. Yeah, no, no, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's With like a, a party line, you, a you know, it's on a wall and it's got a party line, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Marge, yeah. I want to call the LCS show. Yeah, yeah, kind of like, kind of like Andy Griffith's show kind of used to, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Awesome. Yeah. No, this is a, this is a high-tech phone, though. but uh, anyway, where were we? Uh, I'm glad to be here, and uh, yeah, we were talking about the, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh uh, and whether or not Cleveland rocks. Um, so, you know, I think it, it does, always, but, you know. Oh. No, it doesn't rock. But, Dick Belsky, I'm always amazed that you're glad to be here because, you know, no one wants yeah, to be on the show. Yeah, I know, I know. That says something about my uh, my agenda. You know what's really fun is when I try and explain. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Dick Belsky, what is I happening? I don't understand. I don't understand. We are so <laughs> jinxed tonight. I think his maybe wait maybe we'll try and call him. You know who are, you know, who are these guys? Oh. I don't I don't oh. really know. I've never met any oh. of them. I mean, they may not even exist. Uh. It's it's really it's really a fascinating show to kind of explain to people, and yet uh, and yet I like coming on it. So yeah, hey, Dick Belsky, we, we lost you there for a little bit, but then you came back and we heard you say that you you don't even know us, you've never met us, but you like coming on the show. Right. So we heard that. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what I said was the other part is is that um, it's very hard to explain to people. When my publicist, I said, well, I'm going to be on this uh, blog radio show out of the Pittsburgh area. <laughs> and she says, what kind is it? And I kind of explained, you know, and I get these weird responses like, well, what, who, where, you know, and why yeah. are you talking about hockey, you know, and yeah. – uh, and uh, it's it's you're not you're not easy guys to uh, to 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 explain, but uh, but I like yeah. it, you know. Oh, hey, I if I lose that. you again, if we lose, if we do it again, we can try my cell. I mean, I mean, generally the landline works better than the cell, but if uh, if not, I'll yeah, try or we could try calling. Cell. 
Yeah, or we could try calling you, but I don't know if that would make a difference. I, I don't know because yeah. we are talking to you. And uh, and uh, like I said, you know, generally the cell is not as obviously as good as. Uh, so now, you know, I know this is this is the highlight of my week, obviously being on the. Uh, <laughs> find that hard to believe. But uh, but uh, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, Mike. You might have seen some of this online because you you I see you sometimes you know commenting on some of my stuff. Uh, Larry, I don't know what Larry does, but anyway, um, uh, I was—I uh, am a, a star, a star on Netflix this yeah. week. Um, you guys I aware did about see that? Yeah, and it's—it's uh, it's the funniest thing. I mean, I have like a, so there's a series called Son Son of Sam's uh, uh, Descent into Darkness on uh, Netflix, and it's basically, you know. Is there like a conspiracy where there was more Son of Sam's and they never got caught? And um, uh, I have no idea because I don't really know anything about that theory. But they um, they put me on to talk a little bit about the summer of 77 where I was here in the New York Post. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, when you go on a show like this, I'm getting calls from people I haven't talked to in years. Like, hey, I saw you on the show. I saw you on Netflix, you know. So I'm, I'm just getting a little bit of that. I mean, you guys probably get a lot of that in the Pittsburgh area yeah, yeah. on your show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. but for a guy like me, it's uh, you really get a lot of – so, I yeah, I mean, again, and I, I get no money out of this. I get nothing uh, – out of it, other to tell people that you might want to check it out on Netflix. It's kind of a, it's a pretty interesting show. It's all about, you know, a lot of it about what the summer of Sam really was like back in '77. But then it's also about, you know, was was stuff not followed up? And you know, I mean, there's there's even a hey. suggestion that it's linked to um, the Manson family. You know, uh, hey, uh, I um. Well, go ahead, I Mark. watched the trailer for that this evening because uh, I guess it's pretty, pretty new. I don't know if it just came out today. It I was came telling, out on Wednesday. It came out on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling uh, you know my wife about it, Nikki, um, and I was like, oh, we got to watch this uh, show about Son of Sam. So that's what that, that's what we're doing tomorrow. I, and I yeah. swear, I don't know. Are you in the trailer? Because I for no, a second, I was like, that guy kind of looked like. I'm, I'm not in the trailer, and it's you know I okay. was like everybody when the trailer came out. You know, so I was telling people at the show, so the trailer comes out, and then people are like, well, you're not in the trailer. So I, I actually uh, posted on uh, somewhere, Twitter or Facebook, I said, uh, I said, well, I'm supposed to be, but I don't know. And then the director, uh, uh, a guy named Josh Zeman, like, suddenly posts, oh, you're in it. And I am. I'm in uh, basically the first episode and a little bit of the second. Nice. It looks excellent. It does look good. Uh, Dick Belsky, did we lose, did we lose you again? I thought I heard your phone kind of click off. Oh, son of I a think, bitch. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. Uh-uh. But, yeah, we're going to watch Sons right. of Sam tomorrow. Back we're there. having a real good run. Oh, oh there he oh, is. Oh, there he is. Dick, Dick I, Belsky, I you're back. I can hear you. I can hear you really okay. well, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Hey, hey um, anyway, Belsky, but, uh, um, Oh, real quick, quick, let me talk about Sons of Sam for a second. Cause I, I'm, I think you're aware of this, but I am a conspiracy expert. And I uh, I teach a couple classes down at the Learning Annex about okay. conspiracies, you know. And our buddy, uh, I have a buddy named Pat Piccarelli, right. who uh, used to be on the NYPD police force, and right. he and he was on the case. He worked the case, Son of Sam. Right. And he came on our show many years ago, and he told us that yes, they did cover stuff. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I well, you that, know I that didn't know. More people I don't were involved. Yeah, he said there was well, a group of people involved, and, and some of them were wealthy, and uh, they covered it up. 
Yeah, well, that that's that is the and and I look, I'm one of these people, and I'm I'm like you in the sense that I I, I tend to you know basically go with a lot of conspiracies. I you know we've talked about this. I'm you know 100 percent sure there was a conspiracy with JFK. Uh, I uh, you know I've I've <laughs> I've long believed secrets are being covered up about UFOs. I'm kind of like Fox Mulder, you know, kind of like you know kind of thing. But this one I don't. Uh, so I'm 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 fine with conspiracy. This, the thing on this one I just don't know. Like when we covered it at the post in the it, at the time, it was just there was just this one son of Sam. And in fact, when they called me up, uh, the first thing I said was like, "Look, I can't I can't talk about a conspiracy because I don't know anything about it." And they were like, "No, no, no. We we have other people for that. We just want you to talk about the original." But I watched I watched most of it. So if I haven't watched like the third, I watched the first second I think, and then the last episode. And there is some there is some really compelling stuff there to to you know to when 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 it's laid out in front of you of unexplained deaths and and uh, and you know one of the big yeah. things that they talk about is in and it really is pretty shocking when you look at it is that there were all these uh, 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 you know police drawings made uh, sketches made of the of the shooter before he was caught and none of them look anything like David Berkowitz you know I mean and some of that yeah. can just be the witnesses getting it wrong but there is not hardly even a resemblance to David Berkowitz and some of them have like blonde hair and you know so there's stuff like that that makes does make you think but again I have no uh, I have no no knowledge of it, but it's 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 interesting to to look at it. And um, uh, I don't know if I I actually had read the. It's based on a book called uh, uh, The Ultimate Evil by this guy uh, Maury Terry, and he died not long ago. But he spent his entire life trying to prove there was a uh, a conspiracy, and uh, you know, and that's the thrust of of the um, of the thing. I, I think my biggest question about it is like I never under, I couldn't understand why if the police knew more they would cover it up because why would they want killers running around? Um, but, well, but the argument the argument here is that for political reasons they want they they wanted it to yes. go away. Because I don't know if they mentioned it on the show, but apparently two of the people involved I think were related to the police in some way. No, there's no, <laughs> like no, the, suggestion, I think, no suggestion of that on the show. Yeah. If I'm remembering properly, uh, it was a police chief of some sort who had uh, a son involved. Now I, I don't know. I, I looked into uh, it many no years ago, and I, and no I can't remember. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, well, the, there might have been because I haven't watched every minute of it. But uh, um, it's just the, the interesting thing is that you know, beside the sketchy stuff, it's just. Um, there's a lot of unexplained killings that took place afterwards that, you know, when you look at the evidence, could be related. Uh, people that were, you know, were, were murdered afterwards. And then, you know, and then they have interviews with, and, you know, you, you don't know if you can believe them, but they have interviews with Berkowitz, who claims he was at all the shootings but didn't do them all. But now, you know, I mean, you know, you have no idea of what Berkowitz says is true. He's just trying to say it, you know, but uh, it's 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 interesting to watch, so. Yeah, and just uh, one other thing. Pat is not a conspiracy theorist at all. He thinks Oswald killed Kennedy by himself. He does not believe no. in conspiracy <laughs> about Kennedy, which is shocking to me. But yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he has the files. He has like the, the evidence to show that this was kind of – well, he, made, he saw it at one point. I don't know if he still has right. it. But he is convinced that they uh, protected some people in this. So. Right. And just since you bring uh -huh. that up, and that's you know, and you know, I wrote a book called The Kennedy Connection, and I'm like been a Kennedy yeah. uh, obsession all my all my life. And I am not one of those people who believe there was a second shooter beside Oswald. I don't believe Oswald shot anybody that day. You know, I mean, he was involved. Correct. I, you know, I don't think he <laughs> shot anybody. I think he was. He I did think not. He, you know, he really was the fall guy. And uh, uh, 
So yeah, it wasn't like somebody helped him. I I just think, uh, and I I don't I don't know about uh, I don't know about Tippett, but I I doubt that. But I mean that one I don't know as much because he you know he was running at that point. But uh, but uh, when you read the stuff about the Texas depository depository, I mean it was just like <laughs> like you you know he was nowhere near the sixth floor. Yeah, he didn't shoot Tippett either. Um, but hey. I, I would tend to. Um, I would tend to agree. Do you, do you know when I, I? I we probably talked about this when I did this, but I went to Dallas a few years back and uh, I walked the route. I mean, I did the whole thing. So you know, I like I, I went to Oswald's rooming house where he lived, and then I walked. And then there was a whole thing of how he walked, and then ran into Tippett while he was walking. And uh, and there's a timetable, and then he wound up at the Texas Theater, and I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? The timetable didn't work for me. I mean, I could not walk from Oswald's house to where he supposedly shot Tippett uh, in time to do it, which suggests that if he was there, that he somehow got a ride from somebody, which, of course, opens up another whole thing. So, yeah, when I, 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 had, I have always had doubts about Tippett, too. Yeah, there you go. But uh, Dick Belsky, um, not only are you a Netflix superstar, right. you also have a new book out. I do, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's been quite a happening week for me. <laughs> uh, so the new book is called uh, Beyond the Headlines, and uh, it's a uh, the fourth in a series involving uh, my character Claire Carlson, who is a woman TV journalist in New York City. Amazingly, that you know a man who has worked in New York City all his life in the media writes about New York City media. But uh, uh, as I always say, it's. Uh, it's it's easier to do that. I don't like to do a lot of research, so I don't have to do much research. I can just write. It's kind of a lazy way to do it. But uh, uh, I, uh, you know, and, and this one is, uh, um, I basically it's it's about a celebrity crime trial. It's about a woman who is a big celebrity, and she's a celebrity basically. I call her like a Kim Kardashian celebrity. You know, she's a celebrity only because. She's famous, you know, in other words, she's famous for being mm-hmm. famous, in other words. And she's married to a wealthy guy, much older, and uh, he, he's found murdered. She's found over the body. And uh, that's sort of the start of it. And then my character has to determine whether she's innocent or guilty. And I kind of create a world a little bit like, you know, the O.J. Simpson trial back in the 90s where the whole nation sort of becomes, you know, obsessed with this because she's so famous and she's charged with murder. Um, and people start, you know, taking sides, you know, women versus men of whether she did it or not or whether she was justified in, in doing it. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of uh, that, that's kind of fun to, to do. And don't you also tie it back into the Vietnam War? I do. I, you know, it's, God, th- thanks for getting into that. So that's the other element. And uh, as you guys know, uh, probably we've talked, I am a Vietnam War veteran. And uh, before you tell me how wonderful I am for serving my country and, and uh, what a wonderful thing I did, and I do appreciate when people say that, but I, I would like to, you know, full disclosure is, you know, I, I went there kicking and screaming, you know, I did I get into the list and uh, say, oh, oh, I want to, I want to fight for my country. I, uh, I got drafted. As I always say that, you know, the arm, the, arm, the government made me an offer I couldn't refuse, which is go to, go to war or go to jail. And, uh, you know, and I picked war. So I went to Vietnam for a year and I always wanted to write a book about Vietnam. And in fact, I tried when I got out and everybody told me, oh, nobody cares about Vietnam. And then, you know, then Platoon came out and Full Metal Jacket, but the moment had passed. And I never did. I mean, I've, I've tried once or twice, um, but this is the closest. So there's a, there's a, there's, 
it may seem kind of hard to, to grasp when, you're, when I'm talking about it, about why something in Vietnam 50 years ago would have something to do with a celebrity crime trial today, uh, and, but it does. And uh, you know the roots of the roots of, of what some of what happened uh, happened back 50 years ago in Vietnam. And uh, uh, I, I it, it, if you read the book, I think it comes together. <laughs> I think it all comes together. It makes sense, you know. But uh, 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 you know. So uh, yeah, so I think you know that people always say to me like, what are you know, you know, ripped from the headlines and things like that. So where you know where, where does your story, where this story come from? And pretty much all my books come from some big story I did. Like the last one, the last scoop was basically a lot of it was from Son of Sam because it was about a serial killer. And uh, the, the, yeah, the two things this are the uh, the O.J. Simpson trial, which I spent you know, a couple of years of my life involved in back in the 90s, and then, um, and then my experience, uh, and then my experience in Vietnam. So, uh, 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 I, I just figure if I have to go through all this stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to write about it. Yeah, and your, uh, your protagonist here is Claire Carlson, correct? Mm-hmm. And this is That's your fourth name, one yeah. with her, right? Yeah, uh, and, uh, yeah, she's, she's a lot of fun to write about. She's one of these people who is, uh, I've met a lot of people like this, and I draw maybe a little on my own life, too. Uh, she's incredibly uh, good at what she does. She's a really good journalist, smart, tough, all that stuff, integrity. Uh, but, uh, you know, her personal life is a train wreck, and, you know, she's been married three times. Oh. She makes all these horrible decisions on men. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I really like writing a character like that who's kind of screwed up because, uh, you know, one of the – one of the worst things you could do with a character is make the character too um, too perfect or too good, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, um, Mike Dell, I know you've you've done you've done some of this writing, and one of the things you always get in these classes and stuff is, you know, oh well, you got people got to like your character and all that, and they do to a degree, but um, you know, it, it, the, the, the character's got you know, all good characters have a lot wrong with them, um, and that's what. Uh, and that's and that's what makes them interesting. And uh, uh, you know, I think Claire is likable, but you also get really annoyed at her sometimes. I think for some of the things she does, which I'm, you know, makes me makes me happy. And you know, we could we could do a, you know, Mike, you and I could have a whole discussion probably about you know writing on this. But I, one of the things that I always talk about when people say, oh, your character should be likable, is that uh, you know one of the most successful books of the past, you know, whatever decade was Gone Girl with Gillian Flynn. And, uh, you know, if you read the book, if anybody hasn't read the book, there is not one likable character in that book. They are all unsympathetic people, you know. And yet uh, it became a phenomenal bestseller. So, you, you know, you can't you can't always follow those kind of rules. Now, now you, you say uh, Claire is like, you know, a journalist who has kind of a messed yeah. up personal life. And yeah. Is she based on Jim Ivino? Oh no! Uh, well, I, I think first off, first off, Jim Ivino is a man, you know, and uh, oh, so uh, that, there's, a, that. there's a difference right there. Well, no, because uh, uh, I mean, first off, Claire Carlson is kind of a very nice, likable person. So, and Jim Ivino is Jim Ivino. I should I should say to you, uh, and you guys might want to be a little careful on this because. Uh, uh, I actually talked to Jim Iovino when you had, when you invited what? me on the show, and I said to Jim Iovino, uh, you know, I'm going back on this, this show, uh, and they always want to talk about you. And uh, he said, 
quote, I may listen in. So I would just be a little he, careful. Did he talk because, to you? Well, we texted Please. anyway, but uh, but oh, I have okay. talked to him. I have talked. I've met. I've met. I'm um, you know. I've met met with him. Yeah, Jim Avino is a real person, and he's out there, you know, doing amazing stuff. You know, so. Well, and, if you just uh, texted him, that was probably the person who handles his social media. That probably wasn't. <laughs> <him doing that. laughs> Uh, because but uh, yeah, he, he doesn't got, talk you know, to he us. He actually interviewed show. me. I, well, I, yeah, he talked about. He mentions that that he doesn't want to talk to you. But anyway, no, I just he uh, he actually interviewed me uh, a year ago. I guess it was he actually did a, a a piece or something where he actually interviewed me too. And uh, I uh, the oh. last time I was in the Pittsburgh area, I had uh, actually had breakfast with him. And uh, what? You know, he can be. He can be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but you know, I move in circles that you guys just. Don't you know? I, mean, <laughs> I was going uh, to say. I guess. Uh, I guess our invitations got lost in the mail. We weren't invited. Hey, do you have a Netflix yeah. show, Mike Dell? No, you don't have a Netflix <laughs> show. Therefore, you don't have Jim Iovino breakfasts. But uh, 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 yeah, no, and uh, you know, look, I've gone out of my way my entire life and career at NBC and afterwards to like try and be as nice as I can to Jim Iovino to try and curry favor from him because it's so important, you know, to get his approval. And uh, I guess it's kind of worked in that he at least recognizes me. And, uh, uh, you know, I I think you guys are kind of like, kind of, I mean, I mean, didn't you all three of you start this show? And and now he's moved on to like big, big stuff. Pretty much. And you guys are still here. So I I don't, you know, I don't know what else to say (laughs) about that. (laughs) Yeah. No one does. It, it is. No it one. is. It is a shame he doesn't. He doesn't like just for old time's sake. Once in a while, come on. There. Yeah. Hey, the reason I ever found this show was because Jim Avino. He. He. When I. Exactly. When my first book came out. He. He reached out to me. He said, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but it might be some was something to the effect of there's these two really crazy guys with this really stupid show. Do you want to be on it? And I said, <laughs> Yeah, sure. You know. Yeah, that sounds about right. How we describe well, it. I suppose that's better than two stupid guys with a crazy show. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. well, I might have he might have used both. I can't really remember. Right. But uh, you know, uh, but uh, uh, you know, well, I don't know if Jim Avino's out there. He should call in, and we can all uh, you know. But maybe I had the honor of working. I had the I had the honor of working with Jim Avino at NBC for. For a few years, um, and uh, I, re- I rarely saw him, or you know, he and he he didn't he really didn't you know spend much time ever bothering to talk to me. But I was you know I was on, in the same organization as he was, and that was pretty cool, yeah. you know. So. Well, uh, we met Claire Carlson. This is your fourth book with her. Now, before that, the, the first book that when you came on our show was the uh, Kennedy Connection, I believe. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. That was, that was the one where I, yeah, that was the. So I had a male character for that. I did four books uh, with him, um, and uh, just to confuse people even more, I, I do. I've got another thriller coming out next month that I write under the name of Dana what? Perry. It's called, yeah, it's called Her Ocean Grove, and I basically have a. Um, I've done a couple of these, but this one involves a, a cop who is uh, a small-town cop on Martha's Vineyard who sort of solves murders there, kind of like Jessica Fletcher, only, you know, much more hard-boiled. And uh, so that'll be out, you know. So I write under the name of Dana Perry, too. Yeah, I have no life other than writing books and being on this show. Two books? Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, two and well, two Well, can we get Dana much. Perry on the show, too? 
Yeah, I'll come on and do. I'll come on and do a different voice, you know, and you can we can uh, uh, we I can, we can that. Uh, do that, you know. But um, the now listen, the one thing I wanted to say uh, to your to your uh, what what would how many, should I say thousands hundreds of thousands? How many people listen to this? Millions. I don't really number. Let's but go the, hundreds of thousands. The, the, okay, hundreds the, the audience, you know. Uh, uh, by the way, I love in your introduction, you know, the, the zero award-winning show, you know, that's, yeah. that's really specific. Yeah. It's very specific, you know. Not but even anyway, nominated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no nomination. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, so I am doing a, um, I'm doing a, uh, uh, another uh, virtual event uh, with uh, the a bookstore in your area there, the one in Oakmont that we've talked about, Mystery Lovers Bookshop, and I'm going to be doing okay. that next Thursday night at seven. And uh, if you go to the Mystery Lovers Bookshop um, uh, website, or you go to my website at rgbelsky.com, it'll tell you. All you basically have to do is register; it's free, and uh, and then there'll be a Zoom thing where you can actually see me and talk to me. Now, you know, I last time I did this. A year ago, I asked uh, both you guys, and uh, I was hoping to get at least one of you on the on it. But uh, I, so I'm going to ask I you again, there. you know. And you, oh, were you there? Because you don't there. you don't have to leave the basement or anything. You can just go on the computer and uh, do it. Okay. Yeah, but you didn't you didn't you didn't come on video though, did you? No, no, I can't have anyone okay. realize what I'm look what I look like. You know, got to stay one step ahead of the man. <laughs> you know? They're always trying to get me. I can't let well, my anyway, face get out uh, there. But, He's so uh, so and and again and I I I just want to throw this out there as a kind of a lure because I mean look I can understand why you might not be that excited about going to a virtual event that I'm on you know but uh, Jim Ivino has told me he is going to try and be on this so oh, uh, no. there's a very good chance that you would be able to see um, uh, Jim Ivino's face is one of the things on the screen you know on the Zoom thing. Well. Uh, so I I think that I think you know maybe that'll maybe that'll get both you guys uh, to uh, to join in. Well, if if Jim's there, they're not going to let the likes of us in, you know. Oh, you know we'll take it for the one percenters. Well, I don't know if Jim will buy a book. I mean, you, you, you know, I don't know if Jim will buy a book, but but just his presence hey. will be. I mean, I'd buy Jim a book if he would show up. You know. Yeah, I I bought the book, Dick Belsky. You did great, man. Great, I appreciate that. I, I, appreciate I support that. you. I support you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. It's uh, now. No, it's, what, uh, if if you include the Dana Perry stuff, is this like your twelfth book? No, it's more than that. Um, I have. I, like, <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to keep count, but I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm the Dana Perry books. I'm around seventeen or eighteen. But you know, this 17? is a lifetime. I, oh, I yeah. sold the first book in nineteen eighty five or something like that, and then I. I sold a bunch in the nineties, and then I and then I. Is this counting the OJ Simpson? The OJ no, Simpson. No, those are those are those. No, those are additional. So I, that would take me up to the <laughs> twenty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Those are, for, for people who don't know. I wrote uh, I, so in the in like the nineteen seventies. Uh, a woman. Uh, well, I was actually I was dating. I was living with a woman, but she worked for a publishing house, and she was like, uh, and they wanted like. Um, some sports books, some like quick knockoff sports books, you know, like for young readers and stuff. And uh, like to pick the two most uh, admirable athletes in the country at the moment. And I picked <laughs> oh, no. uh, one. One was uh, one was Tom Seaver, 
and uh, which oh, was a good okay. pick. And the other was O.J. Simpson. And I, you know, I think the title was something like O.J. Simpson, America's Hero, or something. And then, you know, this is when he was running through, you know, Hertz things and being American. Yeah. You know, everybody thought he was a great guy. And uh, I actually have a, there's a quote in there from somebody I picked it up uh, not long ago, and it it's uh, it says something to the effect of not only is he like maybe the greatest athlete of our time, he's also one of the greatest human beings. Um, so I was a little off. I was a little <laughs> off on that, but uh, but I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one, you know. And, uh, oh, I, was... I, I don't. I, I probably have told you guys this story before, but um, you know, once you do a book, it like you know, it's like you know, we talk about the Netflix thing. Well, when I was at NBC, uh, I got a call from some producer who was doing a documentary on O.J. Simpson. And they said, um, we'd really like to have you on this documentary as a talking head. Now, I, you know, I'd covered the trial and everything for two years at Star Magazine. So, I mean, I was very involved in all that. And I said, uh, and I said, oh, sure, you know, I'd be happy to. And, 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 and I said, uh, he said, wait, you know, we just want to talk about everything and the murders and everything. I said, oh, you know, you're calling me because of all my being at Star Magazine. And he said, you were at Star Magazine? Like, he had no idea, you know. And I said, yeah, I was the news editor. He said, oh, we didn't know that. I said, well, wh- why are you calling me then? And he said, oh, because you wrote a book? Because you wrote a book about O.J. Yeah. We want an O.J. author. And I said to him, um, did you actually read the book? And he went, uh, no, we just <laughs> saw there was a book. And I said, uh, you might want to look at it before. And uh, and I told him what it was about. And he said, uh, let me get back to you. Never heard from him again. <laughs> <You> know, <so. laughs> Yeah, I don't. Oh. I don't think you want somebody on there saying like OJ's. That's, oh, he was such a good guy, you know. Yeah. That's exactly what Jim Ivino told me when I asked him to come on the show the last thing. He's like, "Oh, I'll get back to you." And then never heard from. <laughs> never heard from. <laughs> huh? But no, that might take it up. Right. That, you're right. That might uh, that might take it up to uh, twenty. So you know, in terms of numbers, uh, you know, I'm not bad. You know, in terms of of of, of length, you know. Uh, 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 I've kind of that. That's pretty good, but that's over a lot of years, you know. I mean, uh, I'm I'm an old guy, so. But you uh, two two books back to back like this. It's a lot of writing. So during the lockdown, yeah, you were yeah. Just well, what hiding. I did, yeah, what I did is seriously, I did, um, and I have another book. Uh, there'll be another book coming out in October, what? which is yeah, yeah. I know. I wrote. So what happened was when I was in. Uh, when I was in uh, um, when I was in lo- you know when the, the real lockdown happened between whatever march and uh uh june of uh 2020 you know a year ago um you know i was basically locked in my apartment in new york for the whole time i you know i'd go out every 10 days to get some groceries and that would be it and uh i needed something to do and i had just actually finished beyond the headlines turn that in beforehand so i started writing uh proposals for other books and i i started sending them out and uh you know, and then my my agent called and said, uh, "Oh, you know, I got this two book deal. They want two books." And I went, "Oh, okay, that'd be great. They'd give me something to do." And then they called back and said, "Oh, well, somebody else. You know, this third book, which is another Claire Carlson book." Um, and her actual actual words were, um, "When you retired from NBC, you didn't really want to retire, did you?" And I'm like, "And I'm <laughs> I've got like a journalist mind, you know. Like when anybody gives me an assignment, I just do it, you know. Like okay, when do you want it?" And so I kept saying yes to everything. And then I suddenly realized that in June, I had like 
three books I had to produce. And uh, so uh, so far I've done two of them. I, I've got the one that's coming out in June. And then uh, I've, got an, I'm, I've just turned in another one that will come out in October under Dana Perry. And I'm writing The Fifth Claire Carlson, which will come out at some point in 2022. So, um Hey, look, it's it's good to have people want your stuff. You know, it's better than it's better than, you know, sitting and writing books that nobody ever reads. So, you know, that's I just when everybody asks, I say, yeah, but there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of Belsky books out in the in the next year. <laughs> do you do you keep a tight writing schedule? Like, is there a word count no. you try to hit every day? No, uh, no, no, huh. no. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, there are various versions of this. I um I, I, what I do do is I try and write. Uh, I try and write every day. Um, I generally I generally shoot for like a chapter a day, you know, like uh, what? <laughs> uh, so as opposed to a, as opposed to like a word count, you know. And I do sort of short chapters too. Most of my books have relatively short. I don't like like yeah. huge lengthy chapters. So uh, I'll write. Uh, you know, I guess I'll. Yeah, many days I'll write a thousand words, twelve hundred words, but I don't. I don't do it like that. No, I just. But I do okay. try and write every day because if you don't, if you don't do that, um, you know, you can just sit there and wait till creativity come. You know, happens and it. You know, yeah. So um, I, 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 and I do a lot of things like different. Probably talked about it, but I like. Uh, I've got like I got like an office and stuff in my house, but I don't. I don't really write at that. I. I well, certainly before COVID hit. I uh, I write outside a lot. I would go to coffee places. It's a little harder now, but even even now, you know, I'll sit outside at a table or something and write. I I like uh, I like uh, I don't write on a computer. I write on a legal pad and then I put it on a computer. I mean, everybody has their own ways of doing things, um, and uh, I just do kind of what I feel um, what I feel the most uh, the most comfortable doing. But um, I think people get too caught up in. You know the rigid. Oh, you've got to do this or so much. You got to write every day from eight to eleven or whatever. You know, I I just I just try and sit and and write something every day, and then it, and, you know it, it doesn't. You know, if you write something every day, I mean, you know, if you write a chapter a day for two months, at the end of those two months, you've almost got a novel. You know, I mean, it's not quite that easy, but uh, you know, you can get a lot done. Do you outline the chapter at all before you start, or you just no, see the no, pants? no. <laughs> <laughs> that's the oh. uh yeah yeah as as mike knows that's the thing at every writer's conference you know are you a pantser or are you a plotter do you outline you know do you plot it out or do you and the answer is you know and many many writers are like this uh no uh uh i uh i kind of like just you know where the story goes basically i have an idea for the start of a book and i generally have some idea of where I think it will end, but that could change. And then I have this huge gap, you know, in between. And there's <laughs> yeah. moments when you're in the middle, like you feel like you're in the middle of a lake and you're drowning. You know, like, how the hell am I ever going to get to the other side? Uh, but, you know, you just kind of keep going. And, and, you know, like a lot of times you, you just find your characters taking you in certain ways. And so that's the way right now. Now, you know, that that isn't necessarily the way you have to write. Um, I do um, – uh, you know, I do a lot of interviews of authors. I, I'm a contributing editor for this thing called the Big Thrill Magazine, which is put up by inter- international thriller writers. So I went up interviewing a lot of really famous writers. And, uh, you know, a lot of them do a lot of online. And, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, like Jeffrey Deaver, huge, huge bestseller thriller writer. He writes before he writes the book. 
He writes a 200-page outline. 200-page outline. Well, that's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Well, it's not even a, it's not even an outline at that point. It's the book, you know. Oh yeah, yeah you know. It's a book. And then and then and then and then somebody asked me the other day, like, well, do you do you do like your you know do you do character profiles before you start? I'm like, no, I just I no. just kind of write yeah. the character. And you know, the greatest thing I find in a book is when you write a character and then uh, and then the character kind of just goes in like really kind of you know unusual cool directions. And I've I've done. Uh, uh, you know, I've done. I mean, in this book, for instance, in Her Ocean Grave, uh, that's coming out, I have a, a my character is a, 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 a detective on a small town force in Watts Vineyard, and she works with a partner. And in the beginning, the partner was going to be like in one scene or two, and uh, and uh, uh, and as I started to write the partner, the partner became so interesting and fascinating that you know she just wound up playing a huge role in the book right to the very end. And uh, I mean, in, and in fact, when I started doing the second book, the publisher was like, "And make sure you put put her, a lot of her in too," you know. And that wasn't the plan, but um, it's like some characters work, and then other times you kind of do a character, and then you read the book, you say, "You know, I think I should just take that character out because, you know, they're not they're not really adding anything to the uh, to the uh, to, to to the story." Uh, so, uh, but that you know, it's hit and miss. That's how uh, that's kind of how I how I do it. Uh, uh, Larry, are you taking notes? Because I know Larry's going to be writing a book soon. Are you yes, I, uh, yes. What kind and, of a book? Uh, it's a secret book right now. I, you know, I can't be giving away. <laughs> in, other words, in other words, in other words, you don't, you don't, you have no idea. In other words, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. I'm just yeah. going to bring well, you like, like well, well, let me ask you a basic: Is it fiction, nonfiction? It's 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 nonfictional fiction. Okay, the I whole have new no genre. Idea what that I'm in, means. I, yeah, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm 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 innovative. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it, you it could may- do like a memoir and all the one on all, on the secrets of all the guests you've had on the show, you know, and yeah. and, uh, and yeah. some of that that would probably be very commercial, you know. And uh I'll see what I can do. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll look I I look uh I'll look forward to that. Now, no, Mike Dell, now you've 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 got a book, right? Or you've done books, right? I've got a few. Yeah, I'm I'm very close to finishing another one. But uh I was supposed to do it finish it this week, but I've been very busy with <laughs> work. Yeah. So I I, I was well, about two I, pages I, left to write, Dick Belsky. Two pages. Well, that's it. Wow. Two pages. And 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 for people who don't uh, who to think, you know, who don't believe it, um I actually met your um would would you say she's your mentor? I met a woman who yes. you were uh, working with at one of the it was a few years ago, one of the conferences Oscar? and uh and um <laughs> and, I, and I know Mike 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 had given Yeah, and Mike had given me her name and so I actually went up to her after one of the things and I said uh, and I you know, I said I know uh Mike Dell. And I really thought she would like look at me and say who or call the police or something, you know. But she didn't. She actually responded to your name, you know, like like in a positive way. So that's well, weird. Hey, Dick Belsky, the the book I'm finishing right now. You know, I write humorous detective stories in the Victorian uh, London there, right. and this one it's called uh, Honest John and the Sticky Wicket, but it's mm-hmm. it's based in the world of cricket, and it's inspired by the O.J. Simpson case. There you go. So no, you you ripped off my idea, but my book came out first. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it all ties together. It all ties yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, so uh, we, uh, I, I, I mean, we've been in this show. We've been on this show like I don't know how long now. We've talked for quite a while. Uh, I, I, you know, like, can we just not at least mention the Cleveland Browns? I mean, this is their. Yeah, year. I was they're going gonna, to mention it right now. It. Yeah, I was going to mention it right now because your beloved Cleveland Browns. Not only did they make the playoffs, Dick Belsky, right. they beat the hated that, Pittsburgh that, Steelers. Yeah, and and I just want to say that friggin' play at the end of the Chiefs game. That that to me like goes along with the fumble and all the drive. I mean, it was just such a hard. I can't play. even you remember know, when, when. Well, the, when the guy when the receiver fumbled in the end zone on the way to the touchdown, and the ball went through the end zone, and the the rule, oh. which is a stupid rule, gave the gave the ball to the Chiefs back out on the twenty. Well. And like you know, it's. I mean, I mean, nobody recovered it. I mean, he but, was going in for a touchdown. But that's the, he fumbles on the but goal that's the line. Rule, Dick you know? That's the rule. It's, it's been that rule. way forever. No, nah, that's a stupid rule. Well, anyway, write, uh, write your uh, congressman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's typical, but you beat typical the Browns. But they made it, they, and they almost beat the Chiefs. I mean, they could, they could, they yeah. beat the Steelers. But you guys don't like the Steelers, right? Isn't that isn't that the deal? No, no, we do uh, not like the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Dick, that that game, they were blowing out the Steelers, and the Steelers are coming back, and it looked like the Steelers had total control of the comeback, yeah, about yeah. to make it. And Mike Tomlin decides to punt on fourth and one from like the forty-five of Cleveland or something like that. Yeah, the worst yeah. coaching but, decision ever, right? Yeah, but Tomlin, unbelievable. But Tom, yeah, but Tomlin's a good coach. I mean, he, you know, I mean, they, that might have been, but he is a good coach. You know, I like Mike and, Tomlin. Uh, yeah, and and uh, but uh, 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 yeah, that's right. They, they. I remember. I remember. It's like you, you heard the score of the game, and it was like I don't know, like twenty-eight to nothing. You know what? You know, like yep. and then and then they build up the. Uh, the the big lead, but uh, you know, and, and but you know, and they, I mean, they, you know, they got uh, what's his name, uh, Clowney for the defensive line. They drafted a bunch of, you know, top defensive guys. Uh, they're not a joke anymore. You know, they're not. Uh, no. They're 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 actually uh, no. they actually could be um, they actually could could be in it. You know, the, the Browns are probably like what one of the only what, four teams or whatever that are around that never have never been in the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, there's very few that have never actually even made it to the Super Bowl. And uh, the Browns are... Lions, right, Texans, know. Lions, Texans, Browns, Jaguars. Yeah, and the Jaguars, of course, and the Texans came later. So, you know, it's the Lions and the... Yeah, really, the Lions and, and the Browns. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sure I've told you, but uh, I was at the uh, the last Browns championship. So when they won the championship in 1964, I was a kid, you know, obviously. And uh, I went to Cleveland Municipal <laughs> Stadium, and they beat the beat the beat Don Shula's Colts. And uh, Jim Brown wow. was the Jim Brown was the running back, and they won. I think it was the last year or one of the last years before the Super Bowl. You know, there was no Super Bowl. Um, and um, so a friend of mine from high school, who I'm still in touch with, has kept the ticket, and. <laughs> You know, he posted it. He posted it one day, and it's like amazing because this was like the equivalent of the Super. The championship came, and it was like uh, the ticket was like six bucks or something, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, and the game started at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, there was no, you know, there was no pregame. You know, just, they just had a, they just played a game, you know, and uh, so uh, so different. But the ticket cost. Um, Ticket cost six bucks, and uh, and just just as a comparison, um, back in uh, the year the the Saints won the Super Bowl, whatever two thousand ten, uh, I I got uh, free tickets from NBC because I had won some awards, so they gave us they gave me like these tickets to go to the Super Bowl in Miami. And when I was there, we were at the 
like went to the Hard Rock Casino to there, and uh, they were selling and buying Super Bowl tickets. And I mean, I wasn't going to sell it because I wanted to go, but just out of curiosity, I showed them the ticket and I said, like, uh, like what, what, what could I get for this ticket? It was like ten thousand dollars, you know. Oh, it was like God. amazing. Whoa! Uh, and uh, but I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I went to the, but there were great seats actually too, and with a lot of celebrities around us. So um, anyway, it's just, it's just interesting. Uh, you know, the, when the Browns last won, it was really a completely different world. Well, how do you feel about this Baker Mayfield fella? Do you, where do you rank him in the, you know, the range I like of him. I always Cleveland did. I always did. I always like him. Yeah, I like. I liked the energy when he came out of. Um, I came out of uh, Oklahoma. I, I liked it. He just, you know, and I still do. I, I, you know, he does good commercials too. <laughs> Oh, he's pretty funny <laughs> in the commercials, you know. Um, but, well, you know, just as a comparison, you know who else I liked? But you know who else I liked? And this is probably, like, shows you my, you know, you can't really trust me. I thought I thought Johnny Manziel was going to be a big star, too. I remember you, know, you came saying out of, that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I think they, I always thought they kind of, well, he screwed himself up. But I always thought they screwed him up, yes. too, because they didn't, they didn't play him. And, um, I mean, if you remember with Baker Mayfield, they had, like, Tyrod Taylor was playing the first couple of games, then he got hurt, and they brought in Baker Mayfield, and he just lit the stadium up, you know. And uh, um, it's like with all these guys, it's like you just, you know, put them out there and play them, you know. But, uh, um, and I mean, like, with the same thing with Justin Herbert, you know, with the Chargers this year, you know. So, uh, but I, no, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan, and, uh, and I love the, I love the two running backs, you know, you got the double running backs, and so. Cub. Yeah. Hey. But if you had to pick one Cleveland, you got one game to win. One Cleveland Browns quarterback. Who are you going with? Bernie Kosar, Brian Sipe. You go all the way back Brian, to Otto Graham. I guess. Not Brian Sipe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, I, I, you know, I, I think I, I related more to Bernie Kosar because, uh, uh, you know, I remembered, you know, I, that was when I was, you know, older and following it. Um, when I was a kid, Otto, Otto Graham was like this great great quarterback um and uh and the guy they won the championship was a guy named frank ryan who was kind of a journeyman and so oh, one with him he was supposed yeah. to be really good right but then yeah and then, or, and no, then i'm thinking uh, of someone else i'm thinking of a different guy <laughs> but, yeah no i don't think so i think he was just a he was just a journeyman i mean brian sipe i always think of the you know the the you know the i yeah no i was never like you know huge with him i don't know you know like yeah they haven't i guess they haven't had a lot of uh had a lot of uh, great ones. I mean, uh, the, the, to, for me as a kid growing up, I mean, the Cleveland Browns, and and I'll I'll never change my mind on this. You know, I mean, to me, the greatest player ever was uh, Jim Brown. You know, and the Browns. I mean, that's what it was all about. I mean, Jim Brown was just so much more incredible. And you know, and I watched him live. You know, as a kid, I was like, you know, I was like in junior high or high school. And uh, it was just amazing. He only played for nine years, but I mean, he ne- and he never got. So he never. Uh, you never saw him on the downside. Like his last year, I mean, he had an amazing year, you know. Um, and uh, uh, he was just like a great, great player. And you know, I I still would say the the greatest running back ever. And there's so many great running backs. Yeah. Um, all right. So we talked Cleveland Browns. Anything else you want to say about the Browns, or or can we talk classic TV real quick? Mm-hmm. And hey, listen, guys, it's your show. You know, I'm just, I'm just oh. a guest here. You know. Well, I don't want to keep you all night, but uh, have, have you been watching? And, and you know, like, like, like I, like, like I operate on the theory, like I do with Iavino. I just, I just want to be on your good side, so I get invited back sometime. Uh, you know, like, you know. Oh yeah. Because I know that there, there's, a, real t- there's a big waiting list for this show. You know. Yeah. It's real tough getting a return invite on this show. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Last time you're on, we talked F Troop. Before that, it was Dobie Gillis. Uh, are, are you watching any <laughs> old shows at the moment? <laughs> well, you know, I, it's funny because I did, I did, uh, I got into F Troop again because of the of COVID, and uh, I found these like cable <laughs> channels, and I started watching. Yeah, I started watching. Uh, I started watching F Troop again, and uh, yeah, that's that that's a that's a great you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, Corporal Agar, what's his name, Larry Storch, really one of the underrated yep. comics of all time, you know that, and and unfortunately that show only lasted like two years, uh, but uh, but uh, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, because I'm I'm not um, I'm not uh, um, because I've been writing so much, I've been working so hard, I really haven't been watching uh you know that that much tv and and it, i sort of like i i go to my old favorites you know i go to uh uh i mean i, I think we talked about it. you guys hadn't seen it i mean one of my all-time favorites is green acres i still watch it. it's like on me tv here you know and yeah. uh, uh that 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 show is so far ahead of its time people think of it as like oh it's like pity good no it's not it's like it's just surreal and it's it's great um and uh you know i i went through this thing um because you know we've dulled on the Seinfeld stuff, and I went through this thing where I kind of like I don't want to say I burned out on Seinfeld, but it was just like I'd seen him so many times I sort of stopped watching him. But now they, you know, when they're on, I started watching them again, and you know, and then you start laughing at them all. Uh, la- you start laughing at them uh, all over again, um, and then uh, and then there's shows like you know it's it's like so like 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 they do and it's it's just interesting there's certain shows that must draw an audience and you can't quite figure out why but like mm-hmm. on me tv they'll do well like andy griffith's show obviously they have a lot so clearly people still watch you know mayberry and barney fife and everything but the the one i that that just baffles me and it's not like it's a terrible show but i still can't believe that hogan's heroes ever got on the air you know <laughs> i mean it's a story i know it's concentration <laughs> camp and it's a joke it's i know comedy, it's shocking you know? And, but don't uh, overthink yeah. it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It's a funny show. But well, if you and, think and, about it too you know, much, I've, I've actually it'll freak read you out. about it, and all the people in it were Jewish. Um, apparently, like even uh, Colonel Clink, yeah. they were actually, uh, you know, and there were a lot of rules of what they could do and things like that. But I mean, just think about it now. You know, like you say. Like, oh, I've got this great show. It's it's comedy set in a concentration camp. You'd be like, oh, <laughs> I know, God, it's not. You know, but um, also but, you know, uh, you, when you're. When you're watching Hogan's Heroes, Dick Belsky, also don't think about Bob Crane's personal life. Don't do that either. I do That's all the weird. time, though. Yeah, I do all the time. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's uh, what was that movie? Auto, uh, Autofocus or whatever. It's a you know, really good movie yeah. About, about, yeah, about him and his murder and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard uh, not to do that. But, you know, it, it, it is funny about, like, a lot of these shows um, – uh, that when you watch them and you and you if you think about like well why are they popular or whatever and you know the one that and the one I still every time it's on I'll still watch it is you know it's Columbo and especially the early ones Ooh. and uh, and uh, I, you know it's like Dick I've, Belsky I've, I've actually, I love Columbo Dick Belsky I love Columbo I know and I and well we already but I I've said this I was I was talking about this at a writers conference once and I was like because if you think about it just. I mean, it's just like, like, can you imagine like pitching that show? So the idea is like, okay, we're going to put on a show. It's going to be 90 minutes to two hours. And in the first 15, 20 minutes, we're going to have a murder. And you, everybody in the audience will know exactly who did it and why, you know, so you'll know everything. And then the last hour, an hour and a half, will be this detective solving it. You know, it'd be like, well, that's 
boring. I mean, like, you already know who did it. What's the point? And yet it's a brilliant show, you know, because of the character. I mean, they created this character that carries the show. But, I mean, they, the basics of that show make no sense, you know. Well, we're going to tell you who did it, and then we're going to have the character, you know, figure it out himself. So. Yeah, people always think it's a mystery, but no, no, it's not, it's not a mystery. It's suspense because yeah. you already know who killers. And, and Dick Belsky last like, week. You know, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the and the other thing about that is about that show, which is so fascinating, is that uh, you know, like Peter Falk was not their first choice. I think he was you know like way down the line. But I mean, and the, the guy that was supposed to play Columbo was Bing Crosby. That's who the show was supposed to be made, you That's know, right. for. Yeah. And Bing Crosby turned it down because he was too busy or whatever. And uh, I mean, think about that, Bing Crosby in that role, you know. And because uh, <laughs> Colum- Peter Falk was not a uh, a big a big star. And I will say this too: I think that Peter Falk, you know, the, uh, you talk about actors of great roles. The two great, I mean, he has two of the greatest roles I ever seen. One of which is Columbo. But the other is in uh, The In-Laws, where he plays uh, the CIA guy, yeah. you know. And it's like, you, you talk about an actor with two of the greatest roles ever. Uh, you know, that was Peter Falk. Serpentine. Serpentine, right? Is Serpentine. 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 Oh, it's just yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Last week on this very show, we have a buddy named Cousin Brandon. And he, he's just gotten into Columbo. And he was supposed to come on the show, and we were going to talk Columbo. So I put together my list of top 11 Columbo episodes, and he got okay. drunk, fell asleep, and then it come on the show. Well, can I, well who, like, what are some of your favorites? Uh, well, if you want to know, number yeah. 11, <laughs> a friend indeed. Uh, Richard Colley was murdered. This yes. is where uh, the cop, the cop. You remember he's this the, one? He's the police chief. Yep. He's the deputy police chief. Yep. Yeah, that's. Oh, listen, I know all these. And that's yeah. And he gets the friend to yeah. He the friend one kills one wife and then the other. It's kind of like yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a great. It's and it's great in the ending when he sets up. He sets up the fake apartment and. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that one. That's a good one. Yeah. He opens up the drawer and he's like, "You see, these are my socks. These are my yeah. undershirts." <laughs> I hope one of them is the Johnny Cash episode, because I love that one, too. Is Johnny Cash Number there? eight. There you Number go. eight, yeah. Swan Song, Johnny Cash. And uh, yeah. do you know who directed that episode, Dick Belsky? No. Oh. Nick Colasanto. Do you know who that is? No. Ch- uh, coach on Cheers. He directed oh, that. I didn't know that. Oh, I, never, I didn't know he did he also, any directing. Yeah. He also he also directed my number two favorite episode, uh, Etude in Black with John Cassavetes. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where Cassavetes is a, um, a conductor? Yep. A music conductor? Yep, yep. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And he kills, he kills the girl he's having the affair with or whatever. His mistress, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that the Cheers. I didn't even know he was a director. I, did, I never. I just knew him from, yeah. you know, from Cheers. Yeah. Wow. That's but the Johnny cool. Cash so what's number one? one. Yeah, go ahead. Well, well, the Johnny Cash one though. Can you still sing the songs that Johnny Cash was singing? I saw <laughs> the light. I saw, I the, saw light. the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. true. That's true. And uh, uh, it's it's funny because it's it's so great because it's Johnny Cash really being like Johnny Cash, you know. And uh, yeah. you know he's just kind of playing himself as the man in uh, the man in uh, the man in black. But yeah, and the music in that is uh, the music in that you, is is very good. Yeah. Do you remember how he so, called him? Yeah, yeah. He. Um, 
uh, it was something with the with uh, the car keys, right? He uh, yep, he, his rental car. He, yeah, he went through the metal yeah, detector. Yeah, he went back. But he that's kept right. His he, car. But he kept the keys, so then he followed him, and because yeah. he had gone to where <laughs> he had buried the parachute. It was a parachute because he had bailed out of the bailed out of the plane. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know, I actually I don't know which number one is the the one that's really great when you watch it again. Cause some of the early ones where they set it up is the the original. Uh, original pilot episode was the one with Gene Barry, where Gene Barry is the psychiatrist. Prescription murder. Wife. Prescription murder, yeah. And, uh, and that's because some of those, they actually set up the Columbo character, and that's the one where he talks about, you know, you play the fool because you trick people, but you really, you're yeah. not as smart as everybody, but you trick them into it, you know, and he, and he describes Columbo to to uh, to a T, you know, and uh, yeah, that's good. And uh, yeah, there's, so what's your number one? Well, uh, I have a couple Jack Cassidy episodes on this. Oh, list. Jack yeah. Cassidy's oh, they're all great. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Magician. He was in three. The yeah, yeah. The Magician. He was in three episodes. One of them was directed by Steven Spielberg, by the way. Uh, but is my number one, one, is one where he's the, is that the one where he's the author? Who's not the author? Yes. Where he yeah, kills his fellow author. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. Yeah. That's the one by Steven Spielberg, oh. isn't it? Yeah. Is it not? Yep. And by yep. the way, I don't know if I you know this. Did you ever hear? There's an actress in that episode named Barbara Colby. Do you remember her at all? Um, Which one did she play? She was going to be on. She played the lady that owned the, the general store. Oh yeah, he and, he kill, and he kills her. He kills her in a rowboat. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I know the this. character, but, but what about her? I never knew this until I was doing the research last week for the list. But Barbara Colby actually was murdered in real life, like three years later. Oh my God! I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, she was not. And a, it's like, she was kind of an ordinary-looking woman. Oh, yeah, really? She's supposed to be on wow, Phyllis. Remember that show with uh, Cloris Leachman? Yeah. And they filmed three sure. episodes, and then she she died. She was murdered. I, I, I got to look that up. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I remembered. I Yeah, she she well, she tries to blackmail them. <laughs> she's pretty stupid. Yeah. She tries to blackmail them, and then, of course, he uh, he kills her yeah. with the rowboat. Well, which, so what's the third, Jack? So there's the there's the, the one where he kills his right, what it is. There's the one, No, that may be the same one. No, there's another one no. where he kills the... Isn't there one with um, the mystery writer in it? Um, what's his name? The, yeah, he's like a publisher, and he kills a writer, and then he has a Vietnam vet Mickey who's writing Spillane. another book. Mickey, he kills like, it's yeah, like Mickey yep, Spillane, yep. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Jack Cassidy was one of the uh, one of the really great kind of like despicable actors. You know what I mean? Played because he, he always so played great. that kind yeah. of role. Yeah, yeah. He also, of course. Um, uh, you know, a little sidelight. He also, of course, played, uh, which really makes sense if you think about it. He played Ted Knight's uh, brother on Mary Tyler yep, Moore. That's one right. Episode. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly he, right. He, and he's uh, very much like Ted Knight. He's very much like, uh, uh, you know, you know, Ted. You know, like you know, with the with the, the the hair and everything. You know, but and he had a horrible death. He uh, he, uh, I think he like. He, he burned alive. He right? burned himself alive. Yeah, with a cigarette. He like, yeah. like was smoking or something, and he burned himself. Uh... Now he's is he uh, was he David Cassidy's father? Yes, with Shirley Jones. Right, right, right. Yeah, but uh, so, yeah, no, it's right. It's interesting. It's I just say it's interesting that he was in actually three of them, and uh, they're all great. Yeah. You know, Robert Culp was in three as well. So that's um, the other one I was going to say. I love the one with the uh, where he's the football. He's like the football guy. Yep. Oh, and then there's I have the that one on my list as well. The, yeah, well, there's the one too where he plays. The, this might be one of the early ones where he plays the. Uh, he plays. He runs the uh, the very wealthy private eye business, and he tries to hire Columbo yeah. for a job. 
and uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. So there's that one. There's the football one, and what's the third one with Robert Culp? Oh, I know where he's where the he... uh, he's the the guy who does the uh, the subliminal subliminal messages kind of thing, right? Yep. And then Columbo yeah. tricks him with some subliminal messaging to to get him to yeah. turn himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he like he like he makes Great. him look in the you know where the thing is or something like that. Yeah, yeah where he hit the gun. Watching or some, yeah, it was this whole thing where you're watching it and you start getting thirsty because he kills the guy because he gives them the message of like eating salted popcorn or something, and then the guy goes to get a drink, and that's when he kills him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, just just in listening to the, just just in in going through this, I'm either amazed or appalled at my total knowledge of all these Columbos, you know. But uh, <laughs> and, amazingly enough, that you and I agree on almost all of them, you know. <laughs> my number one though is from season one. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the the villain was Ross Martin. He was the killer, and it was called Suitable for the, Framing. Yeah, the art. Uh, yeah, the, I I just saw that one yeah. not long ago. Yeah, he's uh, he. I, I don't like, know. Has to do with paintings, you know? Why why that one? I I mean, I like that one, but uh, and and he he yeah. frames yeah because he frames somebody a woman for it, you know? And uh, but why that I, one? I I'm love just it. Curious. It's just I, I think Ross Martin is great in it. Uh, Vic Tabak is also in it. Um, you know, Mel right. from uh, Mel's Donner. He plays right, an artist. Right. Uh, I think Columbo's funny in it. But uh, I don't know what it is. It's just very comfortable for me, and I used to watch it so much. And uh, the ending's great because he uh, – Ross Martin thinks Columbo set him up by putting fingerprint, his fingerprints on these paintings, like yeah, Columbo's yeah. own fingerprints on paintings. And then Columbo, the whole time he has his hands in his pockets. So then the last shot is he just takes his hands out of his pockets, and he's wearing gloves. And it couldn't right, be his fingerprints. Right. I remember that. What's the uh, other one so he does with fingerprints, too? Do you remember? And this is another great one. Uh I don't know if it's on your list. Uh, Robert Vaughn on the ship when he's on the ship. Uh, yep, that's on, on that's on my list ship. as well. Yeah, and and Troubled that's water. another one where he yeah where he uh, he uh, he 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 does a whole thing with fingerprints because it, like it's he he finds them on the inside of the gloves or something you know and uh, and uh, now Robert isn't Robert Vaughn in a couple of them or is he in more just one or two? Uh, he's in no. he's in two. He's in two. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I would also say that, you know, in terms of actors, that uh, uh, Robert Culp and Robert Vaughn, I mean, you know, they both had his series with I Spy and, and, and Man from Uncle and stuff like that. But they are like, both of them are so, I mean, they were like so great actors who kind of never, I mean, they were always good actors, but they never became like, like superstars again, you know. And, and you wonder why, because they should have been. They're both Every time they were on the screen, they were, like, tremendous, you know. And then Robert Vaughn was the great bad guy in uh, Bullet, if you remember, with uh, with uh, with McQueen. You know, he played the, 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 the senator who screws everything up, you know. Uh, recently on this show, Dick Belsky, we've been watching terrible movies and we've been talking about them. Yeah. And a couple yes. of months back, we watched some movie called Battle Beyond the Stars, which is like a Star Wars ripoff from, like, 1980 or right. 1979. And Robert right. Vaughn was one of the main guys in that. Wow, wow. But he's yeah. done, you know, so much, so much uh, good stuff. Well, you know, people have to get work, you know, so, you know. <laughs> one other one I, I mean, want to mention, number Robert three on my Culp, list. Robert Culp wound up as being, what, the uh, father-in-law on uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, so, you know. Oh, that's right, with Catherine Hellman. Um, number three on my list, real quick, An Exercise in uh, Fatality, uh, Bob Conner. Oh, oh, yes. Remember that? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, like before oh, he I love batteries that so on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. That's a really yeah. good one. That's a really good one. And do you know who? Do you know who Robert Conrad's secretary? His little, you know, 
uh, Robert Conrad's secretary on that is uh, Beth, who was Rockford Files' attorney on on the Rockford Files. But that that's she plays the secretary oh. to Robert Conrad on that. I never show. watched the Rockford Files. Never watched Rockford. Oh wait a minute! All right, wait a minute. That's that's just yeah, insane. Yeah, I never got that into it. That is insane. Never got that into is it. insane. That's just James that's Garner. Insane. I don't know. I just okay. don't like James Garner. I don't know. Did you ever watch Maverick? No. No. Wow. Wow. You don't like James Garner? Wow. Okay. I'm, I, I'm, I like my, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind about you guys now. You know, I, I really don't <laughs> I know like if I want anything to do with you. Well, wow. get this, wow. Dick Larry's great. never even watched Columbo. He's never even yeah. watched Columbo. I've never yeah, seen yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think we didn't we do this once with Green Acres. One of you hadn't watched. It's like I've you guys have it. like yeah, you was... guys have like incredible insight on certain areas, and then you just nothing on others. You know, I I don't really I don't really I, you know it's kind of hard to understand why you guys have become so huge stars that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to understand. Yeah, but I guess, you know, the public likes you. The public likes you, so, you know. (laughs) I don't know about that. But it's already been over an hour, Dick Belsky. We should probably let you go. I'm sure you're a very busy man. All right, man. man. Yes, oh, yeah. Like, I've got to see if I have any more uh, offers to do uh, Netflix documentaries (laughs) coming in. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyway, it's always good talking to you guys. No, it's always good talking uh, to you guys. But uh, I would love to... uh, you know, I've always, I've always, uh, I've always wanted to get a, an actual sighting of one of you, but th- that's probably never going to happen. But uh, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, both of you, try and try and join me next Thursday at this uh, mystery lovers thing. Yeah. You, you can all turn the, turn the audio, turn the video off, so I don't even have to, you, you know, I don't have to see you. But you know, if you want, you can do anything you want. It's and here's the good thing about it: it's free. Yeah, let's let's remind the kids how they can get there. Go to your web your website. Go to right? go to well go to well the easiest thing is just go to Mystery Lovers uh, website of uh, it's uh, in uh, you know in in Oakmont, Pennsylvania, the Mystery Lovers Bookshop. You can go to their website, and uh, if you go to my website, it'll just be a thing taking you to there. And uh, when you get to their website, it uh, it uh, you know there's a place to say where you can register for the event. Uh, with R.G. Belsky, and uh, it you know it just takes a second, and then they'll send you a a Zoom link or whatever, and you can just uh, log on. It's like uh, next uh, Thursday night at uh, at uh, seven. And uh, I I just say one more thing as a plug. Um, so the book you know the book is hardcover, which obviously is relatively expensive uh, because you know hardcovers are, but um, it's also if if you read ebooks. Uh, not uh, for, for the entire month of May. Uh, if you buy the ebook, it's only a dollar ninety nine because they're doing it at a special promotional price. So if you go on Amazon for Amazon Kindle, um, you can buy it for a dollar ninety nine. Not only can you buy this for a dollar ninety nine, but you can buy any of the for Clar- Claire Carlson's for a dollar yeah. ninety nine. And then uh, Load up. next week, and then the final thing is, which was out in hardcover last year, that's going to be released in paperback. So that would be available as a paperback. So you could either get it in paperback or you could get it at the dollar ninety nine ebook. So the, you know, the bottom line is there's there's plenty of Belsky books to go around here if you're, if yeah. you're interested in that. You know, and, uh, and, and and again, you write under R G Belsky, so search for R G Belsky. I write under R G Belsky, yeah, yeah, and beyond that, and the G stands for Walt. The G stands uh, for G stands for Walter. Yeah. <laughs> now the the G actually stands for uh, uh, Gilbert, who was Be- uh, who was Larry Mather's best friend on Leave It to Beaver. But 
uh, Gilbert, Gilbert. But uh, it is, yeah. But uh, uh, and uh, I'll leave, I'll leave you again. I'm trying to show you the story of why I'm R.G. Belsky because a number of years ago, I wrote a book with a woman character, and at the time I was doing books under the name of Dick Belsky, which is the name I use, and. Um, yeah. The publisher said, "Well, you know, could we could we call you um, R.G. Belsky because uh, uh, we we'd like to leave it up in the air whether you're a man or a woman. We don't want people to know you're, you know, we we just like to leave it up in the air as to so they don't know whether you're a man or a woman." And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, okay. So they do R.G. Belsky on the premise that they don't necessarily want the world to know I'm I'm a man. And uh, the book comes out, and of course it's got my picture on the back, you know. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I think you kind of <laughs> defeated the purpose right there, you know. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a clue. And I was wearing male clothes. I mean, I was wearing male clothes. I wasn't, you know, in any kind of, uh, you know, drag or anything like that. So it's. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> since then I've been uh, R.G. Belsky, and it's. It just sort of worked out that way. Unless I'm Dana Perry, who's uh, you know who's yeah. obviously probably going to who's probably going to appear on your show at some point as Dana Perry. But that'll. I hope but so. seriously, the, the, that book, Dana Perry book, will be out uh, next year. But right, you know, right now, just you know, deal with it beyond the headlines. And uh, if anybody out there, uh, of all the masses out there listening, uh, you know, try and try and join me at uh, Mystery Lovers Bookshop uh, Thursday night, seven p.m. Uh, uh, you know. Drink, free drinks for everybody. <laughs> uh, this 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 virtual thing is so weird, but uh, you know, w- one day we'll get back to actually having a uh, an actual book party. Yeah, maybe we'll see. But thank you, Dick Belsky. We always appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Okay, always good talking to you guys. See you later. Thanks, bye, Dick. Bye bye. There he goes. Okay. There he goes, the great Dick Belsky. Go buy his book, uh, Beyond the Headlines. Uh, available right now on Amazon and all your. Better bookstores. I put the link in the show description, so people can just click right there, and it'll take you right to Amazon. Buy the book. Two bucks. Get the ebook for two bucks. What do you got to lose? It's a lot of entertainment for two dollars. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would imagine. Go buy the book. I like. I like when Dick comes on though. It's fun. Yeah, how about that, Larry? We got to talk Columbo too. You must have loved that. Sorry, we left you out there with the Columbo talk, but I was very excited to talk Columbo. Well, last very, week, just, cousin Brandon stiffed us. He stiffed us last well, week. We were supposed to be talking Columbo last week, and he didn't show up. What else is there? Um, okay. But uh, you know, talking about that Sons of Sam uh, documentary on Netflix. While I was watching the trailer, I actually was looking for Pat Piccarelli. I was like, "Huh, where did Pat Piccarelli pops up in this thing?" Because I remember <laughs> him saying he was like, he 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 worked on this case somewhat. Yeah, then, he did that. He came on our show talking about it way back. I was still married. Cause I, I remember was, that, yeah. I yeah, was, yeah it, it had to be one of the first, well, when did we, uh, probably first four years of the show, three, four years mm-hmm. of the show. Um, but yeah, he said, and he doesn't believe any conspiracy, which uh, the Kennedy thing just blows my mind. We don't even talk about it, because I'm like, I can't even talk to you about it. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so he's convinced, and he says he ha- he's I can't remember if he, he – I swear he said he had some files because <laughs> like, Berkowitz just physically couldn't be at all the shoot. He just couldn't. Um, but anyway, uh, so there you go, looking at that. And I think I did a segment on it then later after that too. If you search, you'll find it. But that was, again, years ago. I don't know. But anyway, so thanks to Dick Belsky. All right, Larry, um, should we get into joysticks? You ready for the joysticks? I guess – 
I was shocked that you weren't, you didn't enjoy this film. <laughs> All right, there's nothing here. I don't I don't even understand what's going <laughs> on in this movie. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay, let's get Jank on first. Jank. Hey, I'm here and I'm jerking my joystick to the left. Always <laughs> to the left. You know what's weird? Is like, Jank. Oh, go ahead, Larry. Well, what's weird about this movie is it's called Joysticks, but at the end, it's it's really just a big ball. <laughs> what? Well, there's a stick. But it's a, it's a big it's ball, a ball and a stick. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a giant It was joystick. definitely homoerotic, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Uh-uh. All right, so, uh, yeah, this was my pick, this Joysticks, by the way. I picked this last week. I'm very proud mm-hmm. of it. Um mm-hmm. but Jake, I, I told Larry yeah. before the show this had to be right up your alley. Like this is the most eighties film we've ever watched, I think. This is super eighties. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. I don't know what what's up with Larry's sour puss. It's not <laughs> yeah. sour. There's just like it, there was I don't know what I'm watching. I'm watching people <laughs> pretend to play video games and then there's like soft core <laughs> porn. And it's like the acting's yep. terrible and I can't even jerk off to this stuff. So what is going on in this movie? <laughs> well, you need to try harder. That's what you need. To... All yeah, right. Sometimes it's, you don't need a lot of calories in a movie. Yeah, let's get Tuffy here. Uh, Tuffy. Hello. What's up? Hey, there's Tuffy. Tuffy, would you like to tell us your favorite Columbo episode? Um, <laughs> yeah, I've never seen one episode of Columbo. Oh, Columbo's <laughs> great. Yeah, I never have either. Oh, Jank, you know Columbo? I didn't know you watched Columbo, Jank. Yeah, like when uh, back it was on Netflix a couple of years ago, and I went through like every episode they had on hey. there, which wasn't nearly all of them, but I watched all of them. Hey, hey, Jank, guess what? It's on Peacock. So, oh, I got all of them. Yeah. I think it's on Tubi too. Tubi also I might have to go back. Uh, Tubi also put Fantasy Island on recently, so I went back and watched Ooh. more of those again. And you know what's weird <laughs> is here how about this real quick? So I saw it was on there the other night, I don't know, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. I put an episode on. It was like season five, I just picked a rando episode. I'm gonna go I was like, I'm I'm gonna pick later on. So I'm watching it, and it's got Sonny Bono in it, and I don't know. He's like this fucking – he wants to be this basketball player. It's fucking stupid. Like Nick, <laughs> Sonny Bono. <laughs> Nick's in the, <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah, he's like a um, – yeah, he's like a sports writer, and now he wants to play on the team, and the team wants to, like, just keep slamming balls in his face because he's been a dick to them all these years. But um, Ricardo Monobon gives you these magic shoes that – he can now dunk, but he's scared to death when he dunks. Like, he turns his head away from the basket and stuff. It's so I, weird. But two, uh, Well, two things, Larry, real quick. Ricardo Montalban, he was the killer on an episode of Columbo. And two, that sounds spectacular. Mm. That description so, sounds amazing. Well, I want to watch that. That's good writing. Yeah, it's season five-ish. Okay, so Nick's out in the kitchen, and she says, is that Sonny Bono? And I was like, I guess. Why? And she's like, oh. I definitely recognize his voice. And I was like, really? You recognize Sonny Bono's <laughs> voice? Okay, so that's not even the weird part. But then, like, so I was like, fuck it. You know, that episode ended. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go early on. So I picked, I don't know, season one, episode seven. Fucking Sonny Bono's in it. And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> fuck this, man. So I, so I just stopped watching it after that. I was like, I'm just, 
I feel like I'm in a bad fantasy island myself. I can't get it, get away from Sonny Bono and shit. Yeah. Did he just take over for tattoo at some point? Or did I don't, he, well, the, the next episode was like, I don't know. He was kind of stalking his ex-wife, and I, it was not stalking. He wanted to get back, but he's creepy and she's weird. His name was Kavanaugh in it, and I was like, oh, I, I miss Force Whitaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a Shield joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, hey, well, get, get back to Tuffy. Let's get uh, his opinion here, real quick. Tuffy, did you enjoy the joysticks? I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it. It was kind of like, <laughs> oh, all right. Like I didn't right. like it, but I didn't like it. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> basically, uh, this came out in 1983, and I guess the uh, it had a $300,000 budget, and it grossed like 3.9 million. So it was a hit. Wow. I mean, I could see, Whoa. I could see in 1983 loving this. But I had never heard of this film. Had anyone ever no. heard of this? Like, I'd never uh-uh. heard. No, <laughs> never heard of it. It did not so survive. The fact that it made money is kind of shocking. Um, it was directed by a fella named Graydon Clark, who really didn't do. Uh, he did a bunch of movies, but nothing you'd ever heard of. Um, the writers here, nothing I think you'd ever heard of. Um, at least I don't think so. Uh, the cast, though. The main, vill- or the main villain is a guy named Joseph Rudder. He's like a business... Oh, we should say it's about a lo- local businessman who's mad at the lo- a new arcade that opened up because he thinks it's bad for the kids, and he has a daughter of the Valley Girl who Larry's good at impersonating. Oh, does he? And, <laughs> and she's always hanging out at the arcade, and he, doesn't, he wants to try and shut down the arcade, and that's basically the plot of the movie, that, that whether the arcade <laughs> will stay in business. Basically, yep. Mm. All right. So that... That businessman is played by Joe Don Baker. Joe mm-hmm. Don Baker. Yeah. Are you familiar with this man, Larry? Yes. Tell he the was in Walking, Joe Don Baker. He was in the movie Walking Tall, like the original one, where he plays right. like a vigilante type, I guess. I don't know. Or a sheriff. I never saw it, but then The Rock remade yeah. it. But isn't he also the whammer in The Natural? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Is yeah, he, you remember the guy that's like he—he's a pro ball player, and Robert Redford's still like he, he's an unknown, and he strikes him out. They're riding on the train, oh, yeah. and they get off the train. He's I think basically that's the him. Babe Ruth. Yeah, he's Babe Whammer. Ruth, but they call him the Whammer, and he strikes him out on three pitches. And so, yeah, I'm aware of Joe Don Baker. Uh, I guess he's also in a, a cult classic. Yeah, he was the nat- in the Natural. He played the Whammer, and he did that the year after Joysticks. So what a what a combo. Joysticks yeah, and the natural. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he put some weight on it. And, then, in 19, and uh, then he was in something called Final Justice. And then after that, he was in Fletch. He played Chief Carlin in Fletch. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't like Fletch. Uh, he was in the remake of Cape Fear, Reality Bites. Mm-hmm. How about that? Mm. He was also in some uh, cult movie called Mitchell about a private eye. I guess uh, it's another horribly bad movie, but... People love it because it's so bad. Um, all right, so Uh-oh. he's your main villain here. The, the main actor is uh, a fellow, the guy who runs the arcade. For, his grandfather owns it, and he's running it for him. His name is Scott McGinnis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was he ever he's in, in Greece, too. <laughs> he's one of the T-Birds. <laughs> no, <laughs> T-Birds. No, I think the other – wait, not this kid. I think the other kid. The was, nerd? Right? I, thought that was, I thought the yeah, nerd, the nerd is. Yeah, I'm oh, about the guy that oh I thought that I thought you were referring to him as the main guy. No, 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 no. Jefferson no, the Bailey main is the main guy. Is the guy, guy who for guy. some reason never wanted to have sex with any of the hot girls. 
well, he was he holding was out for, for his girlfriend guy. to come back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy. But the yeah, this jock guy, guy who runs the arcade. Yeah, like the main dude who runs the arcade. Yeah, I have. I don't think he was in anything too much. Um, but yeah, no, you I mentioned the yeah, nerd guy. Eugene Groby is the character's name, and the actor's name is Leaf Green. Yeah. Okay. And then there's another. Uh-huh. Oh, but get this, his name is Leaf Green, and like you mentioned, he's in Greece too. He plays one of the T-Birds. But the guy that plays McDorfus, like the big fat slob guy, he's really good at video games. His name is Jim Greenleaf. Yep. <laughs> I, yep. I I messaged this to Jake about six hours ago. <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> That is a Leaf Green right there. And Jim Green Leaf both yeah. end up in joysticks. I think so, I said What are the odds? I'm worried. I know. Well, <laughs> pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. No, the uh <laughs> the the businessman, uh his daughter is played by Corinne Borer and yeah. uh, she's kinda of famous. Oh. Uh I liked her. Jank, you should uh-huh. be a big fan. Hell yeah. Oh, she was great. Yeah, I loved you know, her her Valley Girl accent. That was great. Yeah. I loved her in that bikini when she was in the pool scene. Yeah. Yeah, she's cute. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, she's Big kind fan. of uh, famous. Uh, do you remember anything else she's been in? Citizens on Patrol. Nope. That's right. She's in one of them police academies. What was that, yeah, four? She, yep. Yeah, that's four. Yeah, she's in that one. I guess she was also in the uh, Flash TV show from 1991. She was in that. Oh, I did see that. She was in that Gary Coleman movie. What? I don't even remember. The kid with the 200 IQ. What? Yeah, she's in that. (laughs) Really? I had to block those from my memory. Yeah. I think she has a real part. She's probably real young in that. But I remember seeing that earlier today. Yeah, it's on her, her credits, but she doesn't even have a character name under it. So, yeah, it must have just been a walk-in thing. She did that yeah. right before Joysticks. And, Larry, she was also in the the first ER TV show. Remember George Clooney? She played oh, her, yeah, she was on that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. But she might be most... That, okay. Yeah, she right. was always blowing bubblegum and stuff. If you remember. Yeah. But, uh, I think that's her. <laughs> she was also, I'm looking at her credits here. She was on an episode of Mr. Show. She was extra at party at We Regret yeah. to Inform You. <laughs> I see. I, remember, I saw that today too. I didn't see the ER. I must have skimmed over that. But she might be m- most famous these days. Uh, she played the mom of one uh, Veronica Mars, like her wayward oh. mother. Of Veronica Mars. I never saw that show. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, oh, oh, Jank. oh, she's in the she's in the Flash current TV show from 2018. Even though up above they show her in the one from 1991, maybe she's in both. That'd be crazy if she's in both. Yeah, yeah they they bring back a lot of people. Um, like they brought back the guy who played the Flash as Barry's dad in the new yeah. version of it. Um, like yeah, Mark she Hamill was the, same the trickster character. in the old version. He came back. So yeah, she played the same character in both shows. Holy hell! Oh wow, that's pretty that's, cool. That's nuts. Yeah. 27 years apart, she plays the same character. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, but I, I like yeah. her. I was a fan of her. Jank. Um, you've fan. never seen Veronica Mars? No. Uh-oh, that could be our show. That might be it right <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, go ahead. Veronica Mars is really good. Adventure. Veronica Mars is really good. Season one mm. is really good. Uh, by the end, it kind of tails off a little bit, you know? And I didn't even watch the new stuff because I, I heard it wasn't so good. So, the movie and everything. Uh, 
Yeah, because she goes off to be a lawyer and stuff. What the fuck? Who came up with that idea? Yeah, but you can um, still look at Kristen <laughs> Bell for two hours, though. That ain't bad. I know, but she should have stayed yeah. in a small town and stayed a little private eye like her dad. Don't um, ruin it, spoilers. If she would have stayed in a small town, it would have become like a lifeguard. We don't want that. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, we wanted parts of that. <laughs> Certain moments of that. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right, a couple other, a couple other uh, somewhat famous people in here. A, a fellow named John Deal plays the yep. businessman's yeah. uh, nephew. Larry, tell the kids he, who John Deal is. Uh, he was on The Shield. He played uh, Assistant Chief Gilroy on there. Yeah, a little slimy piece of shit on there. And uh, he was also um, he was in Stripes. I know he played the yep. Cruiser. Cruiser. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was in that. And then he's been in a bunch of shit, man. He's been around. He's been around for a while. He's a big character actor. Then we got uh, a fellow named the King Vidiot. He's like a punk yeah. rocker who's really into uh, video games. Pac-Man. And he's got a little harem of punk, punk punk rock girls. And his name is John Grice, or Grease, however you want to say oh, it. Oh, yeah. And John tell Grease. the kids who this is. Like. Uh, that's Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. And he also played uh, <laughs> he also played Laszlo in Real Genius, the guy that lived in Val Kilmer's yeah. closet that kept filling out all those fucking uh, contest entry forms, and he won all that shit at the end of the movie. Yeah, wow, he'd been there for like ten years or something. Yeah, but yeah, Uncle Rico from uh, you know Napoleon Dynamite is probably what he's most famous for. I would think at this point, I bet I could throw a football over those mountains. <laughs> Now, now, Tuffy, how do you feel about the movie now that you have so many famous people who are in it? Does it change your opinion? Uh, well, I know who Uncle Rico is. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that was the uh, that was the blue-haired kid. Yeah. So, all right. So the movie starts. I, I think this uh, theme song is tremendous. Though. One of the best theme yeah, songs. Yeah, it was solid. Oh, yeah. It was solid. Gets it, I liked gets it. it set video, off on the right foot. Video games. <laughs> totally awesome <laughs> video games. Yeah, they really hit the eighties hard with this song. <laughs> There's a lot of innuendo though. You gotta shoot straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about your joysticks and stuff. And and so it opens yep. up where you just see like a bl- a good looking blonde lady staring at the camera and then they you cut to like she's playing a video game and you watch her play the video game and the song is playing. And it's pretty awesome. It's a pretty great beginning. So. <laughs> yes. So, I was yeah. like, all right, this is this might not be too bad. This theme song is good. I see where we're going with this, but I don't know. Really <laughs> totally awesome video lot, game. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> rad. <laughs> so, so our first scene is uh, the, the nerd, uh, played by the dude from Grease 2, Leaf Green. Uh, the actor, uh, he's driving his little car to work because it's his first day of work at the arcade, and he stops at like a, uh, I guess a red light, and, and here these two hot girls are in a car next to him, and they just want to mm-hmm. get with this nerd. Oh my goodness! He's in so two lanes, by the way. I don't know how, yeah. where yeah, he's it looks like stopping. He's, but... It looks like he's trying to park <laughs> along the. Curb. Yeah, but he's not he he missed... straight. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, so the it's girls like are trying to introduce that people need extra extra lane. Even if they're in the car, <laughs> it's the same size as everyone else's. So, Jank, these girls are trying to seduce him, and, and what happens here? Explain the scene to, the, to everybody. Um, he ends up over in their car, and they're just going to do it right there in the middle of the road. 
Well, they, they uh, flashed their like, tits like, first. Which one do you want first? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, first, like, they flashed their boobs. And that's like, that's like a minute into the movie. We got the great mm-hmm. song, mm-hmm. video games, and boobs. Mm-hmm. For, like the first minute, minute and a half. And I'm like, oh, this yep. is going to be amazing. This is Pole the greatest position. movie. And then we see made. those same boobs like seven more times in this movie and not much else. <laughs> 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 nah, we see some more. We see some more. Don't yeah. you worry. We see some <laughs> a more. A little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, though. Because we got one blonde girl, one short uh, brunette, short-haired brunette. And, and they're trying to do get into sorority, so they got to get a, a picture of somebody with their pants off, I guess. That's the gimmick. Yeah. And they, they need his pants, too, I think. And so yeah. they're just luring him into their backseat of the convertible so they can get his pants off. And, and they say, we got to get your pants off. And he says, all right, girls. Get ready to meet Simba. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you think this movie inspired The Lion King? Probably. Yeah, that's what I'm about, The Lion King came, came way after this. So what was Simba before The Lion King? What, like, what made Simba famous that he could say Simba here? I don't know. No idea. The Jungle the Book? Was there thinker. a Simba character in the jungle? Yeah, I, I don't know. So, yeah, they, they take his picture, and they just take off, and they have his pants, and they go to the arcade. And the the, the guy that runs the arcade, he's super cool, Larry. All the girls want to get with him. They're, they're way into this guy. Yeah. Yeah. They'll do anything think, if he just plays a game with them. I think he's the anything. owner, right? His, his grandfather grandpa, owns it. Oh, his grandfather. He, okay. He, he's running it for his grandfather. His grandfather's out of town until the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, so this guy, mm-hmm. I think this movie would have been way better if they had someone else in this lead, like anyone else, like a cardboard cutout of someone else. Like, I yeah. Think maybe this guy's terrible. He's terrible, right? Everybody's kind of terrible. Yeah, I didn't have a problem oh. with this guy as much as I had a problem with the fat guy. Like he was oh, not the a very fat guy. comical fat guy. That's McDorfus. McDorfus. Yeah. Never bought that. But the character. main guy's just like, but the main guy's just so bland and like, there's nothing to him. Like Tuffy, what, like who, like Tuffy. If Gary Coleman were playing that guy, this movie would be so great, right? Just like Gary Coleman. <laughs> I don't know about that. But one, one thing about so those two girls at the start say they need to do this to get into sorority. So I thought like, oh, there's going to be like some college hijinks mixed in with this arcade stuff. There in the rest of the movie, nope. that sorority thing never comes up again. Nope. <laughs> nope. I guess yeah, they got in without anything. Like, like a tight script isn't what you're getting with joysticks, you know, with a lot of subplots. <laughs> no, it's not. You're not the one yeah. you're getting. It's a lot of so winging like, it. They're always, those two girls are always hanging out at the arcades. So why couldn't they just say, like, oh, this is the new guy's first day. We have to do some, you know, like initiation thing where we take a picture of him with his pants yeah. off or something. Mm-hmm. That probably would have made mm-hmm. more sense. Yeah. yeah. If they had done a second draft. I'm sure that would have been in there. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote this they, in a weekend. Uh, <laughs> this movie was filmed in three weeks. Three weeks. Wow, that seems like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I don't think well, it's it might be for the other two, two weeks. and a half weeks. I think they spent two weeks just <laughs> building those joystick ball things. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me confirm that it was three weeks. Yeah, it was shot in three weeks. Yep. Mm-hmm. There it goes. And they had a deal with uh, Midway. Uh, the director uh, talked to Midway because they wanted because Pac-Man is featured prominently in this film. So they said, "Hey, it's all right if we show Pac-Man in the film." And as part of the deal, they uh, 
they said, hey, can we preview a new game? That'll be a, a big deal to get people into the, watch the movie if there's a new Midway game featured in the film. So that Satan's Hollow game they play is actually a Midway game that was going to be coming out. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Mm. It must not have done very well. No. Yeah, because I never heard it either. And, yeah. and they treated Pac-Man with such uh, reverence and respect in this film that when the characters were playing Pac-Man, they were often hitting buttons. So that's how you know it's very Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pac-Man doesn't jump. You don't need to be hitting buttons when you're He just eats automatically. Yeah, I don't know what they were playing, because I've never seen Pac-Man like that, where it fills up with all apples and all cherries and pie. Yeah, Pac-Man gets really big. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, I don't I know what they Pac-Man. were playing. But, like, between scenes, they'll just have a giant Pac-Man, like, come across the screen as, like, signifying yeah. cut, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. Pac-Man. I did like that. I did, too. I like that. So, uh, all right, so they get to the arcade, and they, they they got the kid's pants, and uh, I don't know. What happens here? Do we see any more boobs? The fat kid's playing here? Pac-Man, and the kid's all like, yeah, you can't eat on the machine. And... So yeah, I find your appearance, man. you know, disturbing. You gotta clean yourself up if you're going to be in my arcade. He's like, I never but got it, seven it tur- figures. Yeah, he was about to get a million on Pac-Man, and uh, the nerd, like, distracted him and he lost so the the big fat dude though he's like the former senior class valedictorian from like the previous year and he's buddies yeah with the uh, guy who's running the arcade so they're best chums um so he can basically do whatever he wants in the arcade he's got free reign and uh oh, oh the, the girls give the nerd back his pants and they're trying to like brush off the front of his pants because they got dirty and stuff on him and, and he he got very excited so he had to run away <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. And again, like, IG. if his first interaction with the big guy is making him miss a million points on Pac-Man, wouldn't you think that would make conflict between those characters? But they just kind of brush yeah. it off like it never happened. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they become buddies the rest of the movie. They're like yeah. little tag team. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What, what's the next big plot point here, Jank? you remember? Uh, the girl with the plot. Uh... I mean, he throws a hot dog in some girl's cleavage. Ooh, yeah, that girl was nice. That's integral. Nice. I would have appreciated if we if we could have seen her topless. That would have been appreciated, but I don't think we. Yeah. Ever did. Um, no, that was as close as we got. So, so Larry, yeah, is the next thing uh, the valley girl at the pool? Is that? What I think so. Oh, yeah. Because the guy come because the businessman comes in and takes his daughter out of the arcade, right? He says, "Come on, you got to get home or something," or right? Or my. Yeah, I told you not later. to be hanging around this arcade. Yeah, I can't remember. No, I, I think know. that's the first time is is right then. Because yeah, then she's at the point. pool and she's talking about, like, I'm going to go shopping. And then he's like, I told you to make sure, I, you know, you don't go back to that arcade. She's like, I'll go back to the arcade, like, if I want to. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going Daddy. on with that. Daddy. <laughs> it's, it's the Californians Saturday Night Live is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Take the four up bar. And take off far off on the one oh one. Yeah. Dada, I need so, some uh, So then yeah, she has two cousins. One of the cousins oh yeah, one of the cousins is played one by one of the Daryls from uh, Larry Daryl and Daryl, Newhart. Oh the, uh, like the weird looking guy? Yeah, the blonde haired Daryl. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy was also in girl. Stripes, too. Oh, he was in Stripes? I, I don't even remember him in Stripes. Yeah, he played, I think, I'm pretty sure he plays like John Larroquette's little whipping boy right-hand man. All right. I haven't seen Stripes you know, in like over 20 years, so. Yeah, like, or, you know, or, John Larroquette's like the general or whatever. He's like yeah. a little, yeah, he, he has a real small part in it. Um, so, I guess we see the vidiots come in here, the, the punk rock video game lovers, and, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. At one like, point, they were kind of chasing around Patsy, I think, like that valley girl chick, and then the nerd tries to jump in and save her, but he just kind of falls on her, and she gets all pissed off. Yeah, what does she say to him? Because I couldn't understand, it was all pops and buzzes, I couldn't understand <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no clue. She may have just been yelling nerd, 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 but I don't know. There was a lot of stuff yeah. going on, and I couldn't make any of it out. Then there was a scene, too, right. not too long, like, where the vans are rocking out in the parking lot. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah the, for, the, for some the reason, there's just a hot tub. Yeah, the owner, McDorfus, the, the uh, nerd says, hey, there's a van on the parking lot rocking. What's going on? Should we investigate? And the owner, McDorfus, said, yeah, you should go check that out. That's your first job here. Uh, go check out that out. So he looks in the skylight of the, or the what are they, moonroof, sunroof, whatever the fuck, of the van. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a naked lady and a dude in a hot tub. And they were having sex in a hot tub. In the van, and, in the middle of the day, in yeah. the parking lot arcade, or the parking lot of the arcade. Yeah. I'm and the van had like carpeting on van. the walls. It's so weird. It's like a Thursday. <laughs> you guys are new to two o'clock in a arcade parking lot, like on a weekday. It doesn't make Larry, any sense. Don't, don't judge. If I had the option. That's the life I would be. That's the life you want to live. Yeah, I mean, come on. If I had a van and a hot tub and a lady, yeah, I'd be you know having sex in an arcade parking lot. That's that's the life. That's what you want. Pac-Man is the ultimate aphrodisiac. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. I remember I when I was a wee little kid. 2002 to 2007. <laughs> I never was saw a wee any little boo. kid. I don't know. I was like five years old or something. I remember my, my father, uh, my beloved father, he said, hey, hey, come here. I want to show you something. And he, and he drove me uptown there, be an arcade uptown in Greensburg, and he showed me Pac-Man for the first time. He's like, look, it's Pac-Man. Mm. I'm like, oh. Nice. <laughs> like, <"Wow." laughs> yeah. There was an arcade downtown export. I used to walk down there, uh, you know, it would take me like 10 minutes or so to walk down, but uh, they had probably like 15 machines or so in there, but uh, it didn't last that long, like maybe a year, but it was pretty awesome for a year. Did you ever play a lot of Pac-Man in the arcade, Larry? In the arcade, no. I When it hit Atari, I played the fuck out of it. Well, the Atari version was ridiculous. It, like, it had nothing to do with Pac-Man. It looked so terrible. Like the board, the design was so screwy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it and was like awesome to play Pac-Man like at home. He just went like up and he down. He had like the sit down yeah. version of the Pac-Man machine at like Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep, I was never that good as the Pac-Man. Maybe three boards tops. That's about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I wasn't mm-hmm. very good at it. Yeah. Uh, Plus, it's it's boring. It gets boring after a while. Let me be honest with you. It's oh, yeah. It's real boring. <laughs> yeah. Except now, you yeah, know, that video guy was all excited that right. the rich guy's going to buy him his own machine, but it's like, you'd be bored with that in a day. Ugh. 
But yeah. keep in mind, it's 1983, so they were very excited for anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, back then, yeah. I would have, once again, I would have jerked off to this movie in 83. <laughs> 2021, I got, so, I'm not even getting hard for this thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, what happened uh, after the hot tub? And I'm trying to think of big uh, plot points, but there really aren't any. It's just So, <laughs> like, no. Uh, Joe Don Baker's two henchmen dress up as women, and they're going to break in and steal all the machines and shit. Well, they can cock this well, whole the plan. One, the one Daryl dresses up as a lady. The other guy dresses up as like some hippie or something. Uh, oh, they're that's his right. Nephews. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're his nephews. Oh, they're his nephews. And, oh, okay. Yeah, they they go in undercover to like scout the arcade to see what's going on, and, and they figure out that somehow they're not locking the door or something, or uh, they can come in afterward and steal all the machines. That's their plan after closing yeah. the yeah. machine. But they're talking but about the this nerd, out loud in front of the nerd who's like right there. Yeah. The nerd overhears them, so he tells McDorfus, the fat dude, so they decide to go to the businessman's house and rape his wife. I think that's basically well, Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very classy nineteen eighty four ish. explain what happens here, Larry. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like he gets in the bed with her, and but she's kind of into well, it, though. Yeah, because she's all hopped up on pills. I guess she's all hopped mm-hmm. up on like sleeping pills, and she thinks it's her husband. And ah, okay. but McDorfus, when they see her in bed and they see that she's taking these pills, McDorfus says, "Here's your chance. Here's your chance to pop your cork. Go ahead and make the sweet, sweet love to this lady while she's sleeping." <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> yeah. What is, also, what is, she's, this you is know, Bill Cosby. All of a what is going on? Here? <laughs> well, she wasn't that old. She was like, you know, probably younger than us <laughs> at the time. You think? <laughs> you think? Like Joe oh, Don yeah. Baker is probably <laughs> yeah. sixty in this movie, right? Oh, she's probably like thirty-eight no. pops in this movie. Really? No way. I'm looking it up right the now. The daughter's supposed to be like sixteen, years. so I'm guessing they're supposed to be like forty. Forty-five? Yeah, like, but the, I mean, that's still younger than us. So yeah, it's supposed uh, to be, but but I don't know. Oh, all right. Hey, hey Larry, get a load of this. Back then. Uh-huh. Larry, she was she was thirty-four. Yuck. What? <laughs> that is a hard ass thirty-four, man. Oh my God! How much so was she doing? <laughs> that is thir- thirteen years younger than you, Larry. Thirteen years younger. That's than younger you, than every person on this phone call. <laughs> yeah. Oh my lord. <laughs> that is crazy. She was born in nineteen forty-nine. Recalibrate special effects. Look at that. <laughs> uh, she was in Total Recall. Uh, and uh, was the average lifespan oh, in the eighties like fifty? I think so. <laughs> they yeah. lived hard. There was a lot of cocaine going around. <laughs> she grew up on the prairie. Go back, and, go back and look at photos of like dudes going into World War. They all look so old, or like old school hockey players, like Lanny McDonald. Do you remember Lanny McDonald, Larry, the guy with the big red mustache? And yes, uh, we're like, oh, he's so old. Like, but he was like thirty-four. <laughs> you know, yeah, wasn't he one of the last guys to not wear a helmet? Um. Uh, well, yeah. He uh, no, he wore a helmet, didn't he? Or, can't no, I thought he was like maybe the last holdout guy or something like that. Craig, Craig McTavish was like one of the last guys. Oh, yeah, to... you're right. Yeah, Craig McTavish. Yeah, I'm trying to pick Lanny. I think Lanny, where one? 
Uh, hey, but uh, that lady, uh, she was in Total Recall. She, was, she also was a voice actress. She played the Baroness in the G.I. Joe cartoons. Oh, nice. Whoa. No one's half the battle. Yeah, so now <laughs> it's up. And she's from Cincinnati, Ohio, a natural rival for Dick Belsky. Mm, that is true. <laughs> um, hey, so how old do you think Joe Don Baker was when this came out? Uh, 55. That would have been my guess, but now I have to round down. He's probably 22. <laughs> <laughs> he was 49. Uh, right? Okay. Yeah. No, 47. 47, I'm sorry. Oh. That's my math. Worse. <laughs> yeah, 47. <laughs> rough 47. So he's your age, Larry. That's how old you are right now, Larry. You could have been in Joysticks as playing uh, Joe Don Baker. How do you think? Well, I would have been 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it would have worked. <laughs> we can time travel you back. And obviously the first thing you want to do is audition for Joysticks. Yeah, Daddy, why are you so much younger than my... Uh, Corinne uh, Borer, the, the Valley Girl, she was uh, 25. 25. I thought she would have been why younger than that. She's younger than the person playing we... her mom? <laughs> Very her nearly. Mom 34. 34. All right, so, uh, yeah, so... So the nerd's in bed with the mom, or the guy's wife, and because uh, I don't know, is that her mom or is that her stepmom? I, or, I don't, I can't, wasn't sure. But either way. I think it's her mom uh, because later on she's like, Eugene and mom. Oh, see, I couldn't hear, I, I couldn't hear what she said. I thought she was saying like Debbie or something. So I'm like, oh, so maybe it's her stepmom. But right. <laughs> um, yeah, the nerd's, in, the nerd's in bed with her, and then the the, the husband comes home. And he doesn't even, like, his wife is, like, grunting and, you know, really enjoying the nerd. They're not officially having sex, but writhing um, around in the bed. And, like, the husband doesn't even, like, turn around or look or think anything's weird about it. <laughs> he just gets into bed. and No. So now the nerd between the two of them. And and then the fat kid farts and stuff. I don't know. The fat kid was farting. <laughs> <in> the <time. laughs> There's a lot of farting in this movie. Yeah. I don't, know why. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why there's so much farting in here. <laughs> yes, a lot of it. <laughs> now, now, why did they go to the house? Because I was busting gems at the time, so I kind of missed that. Like, what was their plan when they went to the house? Um, good question. Were they going there to bang the daughter? No. Oh, okay. Tuffy. I don't think so. Let's just say it's a mystery. We'll see if uh, Dick Belsky can solve it. <laughs> Claire did, he, did they go over there to do some recon on the the old dude? Maybe. Yeah, but for what for what purpose? Though? Yeah, you think they just be gonna... at the arcade, you know, fucking up them, stealing the machines? I think they're going to ask this weird countermeasure. <laughs> Yeah, that's going on. The guy that owns the arcade or that runs it or whatever, he's like knows about the plan, so he's cr- trying to disrupt their plan to steal all the machines, and they they like siphon the gas out of their truck, and I don't know what else. Take the machines back. Uh, is that about? Yep. Yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't all that memorable. I don't know. Yeah, nothing was. 
Well, then back at the house, like, uh, the fat kid made it out of the house, and then he's, like, knocking on the door trying to distract Jodan Baker, and he's telling him some long-ass yeah. story that, that goes nowhere. And then the, the, his buddy comes down from inside the house and just, like, comes, you know, basically off of the roof, <laughs> and nobody questions this. <laughs> like, this guy's clearly coming out of your house. <laughs> and also, Jodan Baker, like, doesn't recognize this kid. But, like, literally six hours ago, this, this fat kid farted at you in an arcade. Remember, he put up his leg and farted at you. <laughs> <laughs> he said something well, like... Well, the richer probably farted like, at 12 times a day. He said something like, surfer, surf's up or something, or something with surf in it, and then he just farted. And, <laughs> and like, that, real, and that really stacked girl that got the, the wiener between her boobs, um, the hot dog wiener, uh, she was standing right next to him when he farts, and she just thinks it's hilarious. I mean, this big fat dude's just farting on you. Shouldn't you be upset about that? Like, it smells Joe Dalton Baker or whatever is not just offended at the like the noise of the fart. It smells terrible to him, and everyone else is just cracking up. It's like, you all smell the same terrible thing. Yeah. And they're like real... They're, like, right next to the kid. Like I said, that girl's, like, three inches from him when he does it, and she's just laughing it up. He doesn't think it's funny at all. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, they get out of the house, and then they get the Audrey, um, or Audrey, not Audrey, uh, but Patsy, right? Is that her name? The, the valley girl. Yeah, Patsy. Uh, they get, she leaves with them. She's just wearing her nightie, you know, and, and she leaves with them. So they go back to the arcade because they get all the machines back and they decide to have a party. It's not; it's a private party. Yeah. They're just going to have play video games all night as a party. Um, so and all they get to they tell, hey, get all the other girls here and tell them to come in their PJs because I love the lace and the frills. That's what I think that's what he said. And uh, <laughs> so all the all the other girls. But there's also a, a, is it at this point where he has the three? He makes the three with the blonde and the short haired. Brunette. I think so, yeah. They, uh, yeah, it's probably around here. Oh, because he wants to see the picture of Eugene without his pants. And he says, hey, boy, if, does he? Uh, you show me that picture. I know. I, I was confused by that. Why would he want to see that? Yeah. And he's like, if you show me that photo, <laughs> he really we'll go back in the back it. room and we'll play that new game you want. Strip something or other? And they're like, yeah. So they show him the picture. They go in the back, and the girls just you know take their tops off, get down to their underpants, and you see them naked for quite a bit. And then they just they just throw him on the bed and they go on to make the three, but then he's like I don't know he's not really into it or he doesn't want to do it or I don't know it's strange I I think I that's guess they did of his trauma <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> the, the last time he, yeah, he he made it with a girl back there it ended badly yeah we should also point out even though he runs the arcade he refuses to play video games he refuses yeah. so. So that's a mystery we need to solve by the end of the film. Why does he refuse? Mm-hmm. Why does he refuse? Um, but yeah, so, and then McDorfus and the nerd play a little prank on him. They shoot a fire extinguisher down through some pipes to make it seem like the arcade's on fire. So they start panicking, and the two topless girls knock down the door, and they go running out right into the arms of the businessman. And, yep, on Baker. Yeah, and someone takes yeah. a picture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he gets his well, daughter and takes her home again. Okay. Yeah, what, Larry? Well, I was going to say, like, 
No, go ahead. I don't know where we're at. I must have skipped some notes because I was looking at something. I think. I'm oh, you you have notes? Yeah, yeah notes. I would never remember what the <laughs> fuck happened. Well, let's just go through your notes. What the fuck? Well, well the next thing I've notes. written down is <laughs> fat dude versus punk dude. Like they have. Uh, oh yeah. The fat dude's like not even playing. He's just eating. A well, hamburger or something, a hot dog? <laughs> that happens maybe. during the private party because the idiots show up for the private party and like, hey, this is a private party. And they say, well, what? We, I'll play you for it. If I win, we get to stay. So he says, all right, you get to play my man, McDorfus. And, and this is where they play Satan's Hollow with the big ball and the joystick, right? For the first time, we see the big joystick balls. And it just kind of uh, looks like yeah. Space Invaders a little bit, but not nearly as many enemies. Um... I don't know this one. Or is this one where there was kind of like on a mountain and uh, was like a mountain landscape in the background and yeah, but it just looked like ships yeah. coming down that you had to like move left and right and shoot out of the air. Yeah, but I think Space Invaders. I think of like big blocks of aliens going side to side. Um, right, but I mean it was this a is similar a, kind of thing. Yeah, these are like individual things coming down at you. I'm trying to think what video game that would that be more like Missile Command? I don't know. I think. Yeah, um, I guess so. Maybe. But anyway, that was a fun game. Um, yeah, I was a big missile. I liked Asteroids. That was my favorite of those games. Asteroids. Asteroids was good. There's a lot of good mm-hmm. Atari games. Yours Revenge was very good. Yeah, Yours Revenge was weird, but good. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, it, was, it was trippy. So um, uh, the thing I liked about this is they're having this big showdown on Satan's Hollow between the the Vidiot and uh, McDorfus. And they have a giant scoreboard with their names and lights. Yeah. How do they do that? That was That's fast. Yes. Yeah. That's I agree. Uh, so, yeah, McDorfus is, like, not even paying attention. He's just eating. And, uh, but he eventually beats the video anyway because he's McDorfus and he's awesome at video games. Yeah. Well, I didn't understand how he beat him by just sitting there and then playing for, like, 35 seconds. Because that's how good he is. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we have, like, oh, I don't know, a 48-minute town hall meeting? (laughs) (laughs) It was so long. But it reminded me me of that classic classic scene from uh, the kid from left field, right? Wasn't there a town hall meeting in that as well about the kid, whether he could be at a baseball game, remember? Wasn't there something like that? Yeah, we blocked that out, me and Tuffy. No idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I've never heard of it. I feel like that was more angels than but, the uh, outfield. <laughs> it may have been, actually, yeah. Or no, I think they both had, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, angels in the outfield did have a scene like that. Yeah, they definitely Most did. Tuffy, that, was your favorite, that was your favorite movie, Tommy. <laughs> that. They had a anyway. press conference, though. I don't know if they had a town hall meeting. I thought they had a town hall meeting. I don't know. But, right, uh, don't, don't. So anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. But what's the ruling at the town hall meeting, Larry, that the arcade, it's fine. They didn't break any. Oh, because don't they show a slide of the businessman with the naked ladies, right? They're like, hey, look at this guy. He's hanging out with naked ladies. Right? There's <laughs> all kinds of stuff. This thing goes on forever. Telling their sides of the story, and they both have, like, daydreams about what they, like, the businessman oh, shows that's in, right. everyone's topless, and, like, they're having mud wrestling pits and shit like that. And he's just hanging oh, like a decadent place. Yeah. Yeah, we get to we get to see a, a lot of boobs in this scene because uh, it's all red, like it's out of hell. 
and there's two girls standing on the top. They're fully clothed, but they look really good. But they're in the top back. Um, that's what I noticed. So then when the, the arcade guy tells the story, it's all like in white and angelic, like they're in heaven and everyone's very polite. And the one girl says to the nerd, oh, I'm sorry. I think I brushed up against you with my bosoms or something like that, right? Or my breasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, that's and he's okay, like, oh, Tammy. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so then the final verdict, though, is, hey, they didn't break any laws. The arcade can stay in business. So... So then the rich guy yeah, he yeah. hires the idiot though. Does it, well he hires protesters and stuff. But then he hires the idiot to go cause trouble. Uncle Rico, he's like Uncle Rico, get your little punk rock girls and go cause trouble at the arcade. Start a fight. <laughs> so. But we need some wheels to do that. Yeah, so they get like little yeah. itty bitty motorcycles, like big <laughs> wheels, but motorcycles. Yeah. Okay. I missed all of this. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't even know what trouble they caused. They just rode their little tiny motorcycles into the arcade, and nothing really changed. <laughs> but they were all. I think they about shoved. It. I think they shoved somebody. <laughs> I don't know, I think. Oh, okay. some point. I don't know. <laughs> that was their master plan. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened. So, it, ultimately, what happens is that the businessman challenges. Or, or the arcade guy challenges his businessman to one game. He, he says, you pick somebody to play for you. I'll pick somebody to play for me. And if I win, you leave us alone. If you win, I'll shut down the arcade. So the businessman picks the idiot, Uncle Rico. And the kid that runs the arcade picks McDorfus. But the businessman hires, gets his uh, nephews to kidnap McDorfus. Uh-oh. So, he can't... so Harry, cool. what does this mean? This means our protagonist, who has sworn off video games, has to play video games. Yeah, he and now we learn. Now we learn his deep dark secret, though, Larry. Why does I don't he remember play what it was. Uh, <laughs> Jank, <laughs> you how about Tuffy? How about you explain it, Tuffy? Why, why doesn't he play video games? Uh, well, his girlfriend, uh, or him and her, were getting it on in the back room. Okay. And her dad came in. Yeah, her dad uh, came in to yeah. the arcade, and so he saw his reflection in the screen. And then his dad started slapping the daughter around or something. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just slapping her around. Yep. And then he took the daughter and he moved her out of town. So uh, yeah. So now every time he looks at the video game screen, he sees that dad's face, and he I remembers the horror. So he can't play. He gets, he gets, he gets dizzy. Sick. He can't play video. Yeah, but yeah, we get to see his girlfriend though naked quite a bit. And there's a it, the sex scene is goes on way too long for this kind of a movie. Like they, yeah, and and there are a lot of a lot of close ups of the male nipple that I I really didn't need. You know? <laughs> I think they were really. What I did like was that uh, like he was he had the covers on basically covering his bottom, but she was on top fully nude. <laughs> I'm like this movie yeah. has its priorities in the right place. <laughs> And then when her I dad really, comes in, she stands up really nude as well so and lets her slap her around a little. So it becomes a whole different kind of movie for a second there. But all right, Larry, what was going on? I think this whole the whole point of this scene was they were trying to probably push whatever this sticks or sticks-like band that was playing during this entire scene. I think maybe they were trying to sell a couple records, too. 
I don't know if this <laughs> was know. sticks, but it it really sounded like sticks. If it wasn't sticks, they wanted to be sticks. Like they were they were probably called branches or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember. I, I can't find any soundtrack notes. Like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, who sang that awesome video game song at the intro? It sounded like it was all the same band to me. Like it wasn't yeah. a lot of variety. Right. I'll try. All right, this is the part of the show where you Google things. But uh, so, yeah. what happens next, Larry? Your notes. Um, so he trains. There's a lot of sweating going on and stuff. Which this all happens in like. Uh, it starts out with you know Dorfus isn't there, so the business guy says like, "Oh, you have to play," and he says, "Give me 15 minutes." So all this, the story of the girlfriend and the training, <laughs> is taking place in like 15 minutes, I guess. Yep. It's a full, like, Rocky training montage. It really is. I, yeah. I was really just, I needed, there's no easy hey. way out. There's no hey, so I found, I, I found some website. Here. All right. I found some website called uh, shiptoshoremedia.com, and uh, they have the joysticks uh, soundtrack, but it's sold out. Um, but here's the ah. thing, it says, but here's the description. Totally awesome video games! Exclamation point. Ten previously unavailable songs from the 1983 film Joysticks. All songs composed by Ray Kanetsky and performed mm. by Legion. 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 Mm. Good call on that, though, Jenks. In- it it includes an exclusive liner notes from from the composer and a fold-out insert that displays a scan of the Japanese VHS cover art. Also includes a period accurate dot matrix printed insert of new interviews with cast members Morgan Lofting, who played Mrs. Rudder, the 34 year old Mrs. Rudder, and Kim Malin, who played Lola, and screenwriter Al Gomez. Lola was one of the girls who flashed her boobs at the beginning, but I don't know if that was the brunette or the blonde. I don't know. Um, hmm. So uh, here are the 10 well, songs. We have joysticks. Joysticks, Ball and Chain, Free the Canaries, Hooked, Sunday Afternoon. Then in Side B, we have Video Jets, Shake It Around, Feel All Right, Designer Jeans, Last Chance for Love. I'm guessing Last Chance for Love was probably playing when they were making a sweet, sweet love in the back room. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess making sweet love. <laughs> and I guess <laughs> Joysticks would be the main theme that's it. Totally awesome video games. I want to see the notes that guy wrote on that. I was just writing about that video games are pretty awesome. (laughs) I repeated. I want to read the interview with Mrs. Rudder, who had like three scenes in the movie. (laughs) If line one isn't, I faked my birth certificate and I'm actually (laughs) sixty-seven years old, then I don't know what. Nah, she doesn't look that old. She looked forty tops. You know, well, you guys are like, you know, you're hammering it pretty hard. Come on. <laughs> He's fine. Um, but uh, so they have the big competition in the, uh, the, the well, McDorfus gets freed. How does he escape? Oh, the the mother comes down. Mrs. Rudder yeah. comes down, right? And he starts farting. Yeah. And she, she, she recognizes him by his farting, I guess. He tells her, yeah. like, hey, if you want Tommy, I'll, I'll lay the pipe in you. 
Well, he also says me and my friends, my better looking friends. Yeah, and he goes, yeah, my friends are even better than me. And she's like, oh, let's go. If you can believe that, they head down to there. But uh, the guy who plays, so McDorfus wants to take over playing the video game, but the nerd says, no, 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 we have to help uh, Billy here, whatever his name is. We have to help him uh, confront his demons, you know, get over these past uh, terrible things that have happened to him. So he overcomes his demons, Larry, and he and he beats the idiot, right? Isn't that what happens? Yeah. I think that's what happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what happens. He wins. The idiot also and, walked oh. away from his game in the middle of this for some reason. Well, because it, <laughs> did it finally did it finally dawn on the idiot that this arcade that he loves would be shut down if he wins? You know, because he loves going yeah. to arcade like if you. Well, he's playing like, his, his own cabinet, though. Yeah, but just one. But, you know, an arcade has all those games. You know? um, so, uh, also, while this is going on, the mayor comes into the arcade because he wants to meet with Mr. Rudder. But uh, the nerd is, like, giving him quarters, or, or McDorfus is giving him quarters, and he starts getting mm-hmm. hooked on video games. So then at the end of the movie, he says, the arcades are great. This video, this arcade is staying in business. Well, and again, that scene oh. would have made more sense if the mayor was playing video games before the town council meeting, and you convinced him to like video games, not when he had no input in whether the arcade stayed open or not anymore. And, uh, <laughs> what about if it's just the uh, they made the dad play the video game, and he realizes video games are great? You know? Oh, oh yeah. That makes more sense. that way. Um, so then at the, also at the very end, the grandfather comes in, he's in a wheelchair and he has a smoking hot blonde nurse and at least it's supposed to <laughs> This was so random nurse. and great. I loved it. <laughs> and then not only that, but he says, Hey, guess who I brought with me? And it's the ex-girlfriend, the, the Billy's ex-girlfriend, whatever his name is. And, and she was pretty hot, Larry. I thought she was good looking. That's a good looking girl, right? I don't remember any of this. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she she goes over and starts making out with Billy, and everyone it's a happy ending. Everyone's happy, but then McDorfus says, "Hey, do you think you can set up uh, Eugene here, the the nerd? Do you think you could set him up with his nurse? He's got a terrible problem. You and you probably don't know what it is by looking at him." And the old man goes, "Sure, it is. He needs to get laid." Yeah. Yeah. See <laughs> yeah. where it ends. So then we get one final scene. Well, he goes to meet with the, um, uh, the yeah exactly. Yeah, so the the kid that runs the arcade at McDorfus set him up at a motel with they're gonna he's gonna lose his virginity. They set it up for him. He's gonna go in. So he opens the door and inside is Mrs. Rudder, but she's dressed in like a dominatrix outfit and she's got a whip. Uh, and yeah, and she's like, "Come on to bed." And, and he says, "All right, get ready to meet Simba." <laughs> and that's when the movie. <laughs> so. Get ready to meet Simba. <laughs> yep. Two or the force. Loved it. No. <laughs> Larry, I think you're way too harsh on joysticks. It was, uh, I mean, you know, not good, but. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Fun. It was it, fun it, enough. It, I, I give it a three. Whoa. It's not, it's not very. Coffee? It's not very fun. Uh, yeah, it's think? like a five. It's it's nothing. Yeah. Like they just took every plot from an '80s movie where it's like kids against 
authority and just said, all right, we're going to have every possible thing happen. Like there's a town council meeting. There's a one-on-one fight with the guy. There's going to his house and his wife all of a sudden wants to have sex. Like anything that could happen in the 80s movie happened in this movie. Yeah, they kind of just ripped off Animal House in so many ways, but and breaking too. So, uh, Jank, what would you give it, Jank? Um, probably six and a half. That's ridiculous. Six and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's above average. I enjoyed it. It's a good excuse for ninety minutes of you know boobs now and then, intermittent yeah. boobs. I I'm more I'll probably go six. Uh, the theme song was awesome. Um, you do see yeah. probably if we're counting if we're counting boobs and bodies like it had to be at least I don't know twenty boobs. If you think about that fantasy scene, uh, the girls mud wrestling. Now, granted, yeah. you see like four boobs, the same four boobs a lot, but you know <laughs> yeah. it's still uh, it's still, look good. still you know yeah it's still worth it. Um, and it's yeah. very 80s. Like it's 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 just a typical like 80s co- teen comedy. Like you could put it in yeah, a sex round. Yeah, this is this is 80s teen comedy. Uh, it's not it's not very well written. I thought the acting was fine. Um, the Valley Girl was great. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah, I'll go six. What happened to Valley Girl's fun. friend? Remember, there was like a brown haired girl early on. <laughs> it was also like you yeah. know, what happened to that girl? Yeah. Eh, she just disappeared. I think she struggled yeah. with the Valley Girl thing a little more, so they probably just wrote her out. <laughs> I don't think they wrote it. She wasn't as good at it. it that for the first two days of the shoot. Couldn't do the yeah, Valley that's... Girl accent. Yep, you're gone. God. I mean, between the, uh, the group... oil wrestling last week and now the mud wrestling this week, we got a theme going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tuffy. <laughs> Make sure you do it. You're rolling, Tuffy. Don't. Don't fuck it up. Well, I won't be here next week. Next week is the start of uh, my summer alternative programming. I'll be in Michigan. <laughs> uh Water skiing season for Tuffy. Damn it. It's only going to be like 50 next weekend. Yeah. Next weekend, very like, cool. uh, getting everything opened up, getting the boat in the water. Hey, you have an obligation to be here. <laughs> well, <laughs> Dale worked on Christmas. All right, so... So, Larry, I guess that means you're up, and it's your pick. Oh, yeah. okay. I'll well, I'm gonna watch, we're going to watch, um, uh, what's it called, Jack? Uh, the Miami Connection? Oh, all right. Sweet. Yeah, we're going to watch the Miami well, Connection on Tubi. I don't know what it's that is. It's a very famous bad movie. It's another super famous bad movie. It's about a group, like a band who's also ninjas that takes on a motorcycle gang who are also ninjas. Huh. Yeah. Tuffy, I bet you feel bad now most about people that are white. Skiing, huh? I guess they'll watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not putting a parental block on them. 1987. Yeah. Or no, wait. Yeah. Yeah, next week is the week I'll be gone. Yeah. All right, so there you go, Miami Connection. Uh, what All else? Right. I'm uh, excited. Larry, you been watching anything else? Um, we watched a movie the other night called Jexy, and it stars um, that Adam Devine oh. kid. 
And it's kind of like his Siri just kind of insults him throughout the entire movie. And uh, I'll tell you what, Nick, I've never seen Nick laugh so hard watching a movie before. <laughs> she was cracking the fuck up. Like, it's funny. Like, I thought it was it, funny. She thought it was funny. Now, in fairness, though, Larry, was, did she think one of the actors was uh, Sonny Bono? Is that why she liked it so much? No, she's not. <laughs> no. But basically what it is is like he gets he, he's like he, he's attached to his phone and that kind of, he's like a, he's like a super nerd this kid he works uh, I don't know he has I forget what kind of fucking job he has it doesn't matter. But like um he's just so wrapped up in his phone and shit and so like this this Jexy aka Siri is going to basically like try to make him a better person and this kind of shit. But the voice of of the Jexy is Rose Byrne, and she's real fucking like cool. crude and shit, and it's fucking hilarious. I, like the, some of the shit she I, says to him. I love Rose Byrne. I'm just going to yeah. say that right now. I'm a oh, big, yeah. big fan of Rose. It's not a, it's not <laughs> big, a terrible movie. Huh. All right, it's not great. It's not terrible though. And like the the girl he um is interested in is like that Alexandra Ship. Who played like the young Storm in the X Men movies? She's she's pretty cute. I never really saw another Storm. I never watched any of those X Men movies. So. <laughs> you <laughs> know who I'm talking about, Jank? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think she's hot. I'd look her up, Alexandra Ship. But yeah, it's solid. I don't. I don't. What you say what... the title of it is? Oh, Jexy. Jexy. Yeah. We uh, I don't know it, when we had the free Comcast or whatever we just ended up watching it I don't I don't know where the fuck we watched it on so I couldn't tell you what yeah. it's, uh, it's on One Hulu of those streamers it's oh, on, it's on Hulu. Hulu yeah with a premium subscription oh so maybe you have to have like the whatever yeah I think it was on like the free Comcast a Palooza last week. it gets a six point one on IMDb, a thirty nine percent on Metacritic, and a nineteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. One yeah. Nine. I can see that, like it's, it, but it, it is like it's just a stupid comedy, but it's fun. Like that kid's usually like a douchebag in most movies that I've seen him in. Like, I think he's in like, uh, well, he's definitely in Pitch Perfect, but I think he's in like uh, Neighbors or some of those movies. He's always kind of like the smartass punk, but in this movie, he's more of like the sappy, you know, trying to do my best, but I'm kind of nerdy guy, and it's it, it's a different. I like it. I don't know. Good Lord, Rose Byrne. Her real name is yeah. Mary Rose Byrne. Oh, that's, I like that. Oh. You, know her, you know who, who part, her partner is since 2012? Oh, well, you're saying partners. So. Partner, yeah. It's got to be a lady. No, it's a fella. It's a, oh, um, it's a fella. fella. Um, let's see. Rose Byrne, she's British. So I'm going to say... I think she's Australian. Oh, well, that changes things yeah. up again. Oh, all right. Then I want to go with uh, Jermaine Clement. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby really? Cannavale, uh, Giprozzetti from Boardwalk Whoa. Empire. And Yikes. he played the new husband in the Ant-Man, Paul Rudd's uh, yeah. <laughs> romantic ride. He's, yeah. he's Judy old, Greer's right? husband. Uh, she's 41. He's and... probably like, I'd say, 50... 56, 58, somewhere in there, I'm guessing. No, no. he's not that old. Really? <laughs> he's, he seems like he's I don't think uh, forever. He's 51, 
Mm, right. Okay, ten years. I guess that ain't too bad, but he's, he's kind of ugly. <laughs> how, how many, how many weeks before uh, the show is just uh, guessing celebrities' ages? We're ninety percent of the way there. Heights and ages. We're, we're doing it right now. I'm also. How tall do you think Rose Byrne is? Five three. I'm always fast. I'm always fascinated by five eleven. Five eleven. Tuffy. Five eight. Five six. Looking for five hmm. six. Ooh. It's pretty good. So. What's her shoe? All right. Size? I think what I didn't even know her from. Been a half. Rose Byrne. Oh, Rose, Rose Byrne. Byrne? Smoking hot. Yeah. She was in Get Him to the like Grease. Neighbors. She was in Neighbors. She was in those X. She was in those new X Men movies too. She played uh, Moira McTaggart, right? In those yeah, X-Men she movies? did. Okay, that's a hot Moira McTaggart right there. <laughs> yeah. So how about this? Um, um, our Marvel, the Marvel par- uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest game that Jake and I play. He uh, he messaged me this morning. Okay, so like yesterday, I don't know, maybe it was today. They released a new guy called Null, K-N-U-L-L. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. I have no idea who that is. We're at the point now, that's the only person Jank doesn't have in the game now, is the guy that just released <laughs> a day. Wow. Because he got, he got the WandaVision Scarlet Witch, I guess, and he's like, you know, like I got them all oh. now, except for Null. <laughs> who is Null? It, he looks like he's got man. the Iron Fist symbol on him, but in red. No, what's even stupider is he's like the god of the symbiotes, and he's got like the venom symbol on his chest, but it's like, well, venom's oh, the only venom? symbiote that has that, and he only has that because it was Spider-Man's costume. So why does this thing have it? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. He just so thought you never heard of it. So this guy's pretty new, I'm guessing? Yeah, they just came up with him a couple years ago, probably two or three now. Uh, Donnie Cates came up with him during his Venom run, and they just had this big King in Black event comic that uh, he was like the big villain of. So, so Jake, you have all these characters, uh, and you don't spend any money on the game? Um, not usually. I I, I pay the ten dollars a month for the VIP, and that's about it. <laughs> um, I have yeah. in the past thrown money at, at buying roster slots. Because you have to have slots to put all these people in. Um, but, yeah. How many people are like, there? No. Uh, like 243 or something like that. Because, like, you know, Larry, I, I get the VIP for Champion, so that's 10 bucks a month. And I, I drop at least 20 bucks a month just extra just to, like, because I get bored. And I'm like, oh, I want to try again or something. Yeah, it doesn't so, really work and, like that in that game. Yeah, I know it does not. It does not. <laughs> but I still do it all the time. So I'm just like, yeah. yeah no, no. I mean, in Marvel Puzzle Quest, like I don't know. You, you're uh, never yeah, like, definitely. oh, I'm going to spend money because you got a good chance of pulling somebody all the time, anyways. Yeah, you have yeah, no just chance you of get somebody. Anything. Like you need to get them like 13 times to really get them at, up to a good point. Yeah, you got to have all the moves and shit like that. Yeah. So just having them once oh, okay. really doesn't do that much for you. Here's one thing I don't oh, right. like about Marvel Puzzle Quest that I do like about uh, WWE Champions better. Like, each turn, Jank, in WWE Champions, like, 
every time you, it's your turn again, your like your three moves get one fill towards it. You know how like if you need twelve to fill up a thing. Well, even mm. if you never break that color, after your 12th turn, it'll be full anyways. Whereas Marvel Puzzle oh. doesn't do that. Like, if you don't break that gem, you don't get that gem. So, like, yeah. sometimes Deadpool, like, when I use him, like, the pink ones are so hard. Like, they're they're so scarce and shit. And sometimes I don't even get to fill that move up by the end of the fucking match. Yeah, that's fair. Like, if, that would be that's nice. The only, I would like that's that the only thing too. I like better on WWE Champions as far as that game goes. Hey, yeah, hey, Coffee. I, I um, definitely get that. There's uh, more free prizes to collect on the website for champions under the events section. Some treasure chests you can collect. So, well, they, yeah, they put them access. out. Speaking of getting, you know, the free characters, I played out through all of those, you know, Chief Maivia things, and I have 500 of the 2005 I need. So. Never going to see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you only need well, 1,500 more shards. You'll get them easy. Get them easy. I got a new person worry, the man. other day. Ah, oh, who's that, Larry? I got, uh, I got Purple Andre. Oh, oh eighth yeah. wonder of the world. Purple Andre. Yeah, I did. Do you have Purple Andre? No. I do not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I pulled him somewhere, but... That's somebody new. Well, that's cool. But I also have... But I'm, I'm still working on Purple Shawn Michaels and Purple Snoop Dogg, so I don't really need purples yeah. right now. But what are you going to do? <laughs> One yeah. token away from Oscar <laughs> Five Star Silver, Tuffy. One token away. One megaphone. I need, like, uh, two more of the capes, and I'll get Bailey to Five, five Star Silver. Holy fuck. Wow. She's going to be you, unbeatable. You can get capes. I know, you can get capes pretty easy. Yeah, Bailey's fucking ridiculous on that game. But anyway. I also need like another 600 blue training points, but... Oh. Well, Well, you'll pick up some training points uh, when you you get them chests. You'll probably get like close to a million coins and a bunch of training points and stuff. There's a lot of good prizes in there. Yeah. Yeah, we got to let our our buddy Lance know. I'm sure he already knows, huh? uh, Oh, yeah. Because people people never check. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, yeah, that's true. Because no one ever thinks to check the events page on there. But, um, yeah. I never do. No. Anyway, uh, um, uh, Jank, what have you been watching this week? Anything? A couple of things. Um, first off, I did finish uh, uh, season four of Seinfeld. Um, I oh, finished the last one this morning. Well, yeah. So you finally so have seen cool. uh, Frank Costanza. You have seen Frank Costanza. Well, <laughs> yeah. Right? That what, one episode what, what, was Frank Costanza. What does he do in his first appearance? Uh, that it's was the one much. where they parked in the handicap spot. <laughs> yeah, it's his like, car in the handicap spot. Yeah. Where the, the guy jumps off the hospital roof under the car? No, there's like that woman <laughs> no. in a wheelchair and her battery gives out, so she ends up in the hospital and they're waiting. all these people, angry mob is like waiting around the car for whoever uh, drove it. Yeah, but it's Frank's okay. car, because George borrowed yep. his car. So, uh, yeah. And they're giving yeah. Frank some kind of award for helping out handicapped people, and then they found out about this right at that moment somehow. <laughs> well, that, that Frank Costanza is not the Frank Costanza who you will meet in subsequent weeks. Because the Frank Costanza that's awesome, he's not helping out handicapped people. 
He doesn't give a fuck about anybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I'm he cares about TV guy. So, That's what he cares about. Yeah, so it's not like you met Frank Costanza yet. Just wait. You'll you'll get this. Okay. <laughs> it was imposter. But, but how? All right. But how'd you how'd you like the whole uh, pilot? The because I think that's their best run when they're making the pilot. I think that's funny. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I did like how uh, in that that pilot episode, the end of season four, like they show all the people from that season pretty much, like they touch back on everybody. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty cool. What? Is that the one with the cleavage? Yeah, um, the young Rick, that was during the season. Yeah, yeah. Cal Ripple's daughter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did you, dies did, you in recog- the ocean. did you recognize Denise Richards as a 17-year-old? Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like the sun. Um, you don't stare at it. You just get a glimpse of it and you look away. But he's my ketchup. I just love the premise for the pilot that he gets in trouble uh, so he gets uh, the guy gets assigned to be his butler. I think that's Genius. Yep. <laughs> a stupid sitcom premise. And then that Frank Costanza episode, then he, uh, George has to become his butler. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. He had to, to pay off all the fines. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's good. All right. You're making progress on the Seinfeld. Uh, oh, have we talked about the end of Invincible? Because did we talk about the end of that? Ooh. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. What'd you think? Yeah, there is a lot of. I, I thought it was good. Uh, I I thought here's the thing that invincible kid he should have been dead like eighty times over in that fight you know like it, after a while it was a little much it was a little much well he's invincible like so. well is he we already saw him kind of die once uh, he he should have like he he was just a bloody mess of a pulp and like, yeah I don't know he should have just been they may have done a little too much of that he should have that's a characteristic about of him fifteen like, percent off that. You'll see a lot of that. He heals very quickly, so it's kind of like Wolverine. Apparently, like, there are ways to kill him, but it's not too easy. He's so got a little. He, he tends to have very bloody battles. Yeah, <laughs> he, gets, so, uh, he gets beat to shit quite often. So then the dad just uh, flies off to leave, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess he's going to bring back an invasion or something, or I don't know. There will definitely be more there. I don't want to spoil what happens with the dad, but we'll definitely right. see him again. This is just the kind of the beginning of all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I, but he, he kind of dragged like, it out the, more. The, I feel like he found out in the comics a lot earlier about his dad, <laughs> but they really kind of they were, they were telling other stories like him visiting that college. Like that happened after he found out about his dad in the comics. So it's just like they, they draw, drew it out so it could be the end of season one, I guess. But he, uh, that Amber girl who is uh, his girlfriend, he, he should just tell her to hit the bricks, right? Go spit. Yeah. She treated him like shit. Yep. And then at the end, she just shows up like she everything sucks. sucks. No, no, no. No, 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 honey. Hit the bricks. I'm going to go with uh, yeah. Adam Eve. Adam right? Eve. <laughs> yeah. That's the choice That's right there. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Eve, A T O M, Adam Eve. Yeah, Adam oh. Eve. Oh, I see. Yeah, she's great. But, uh, she's a superhero. Yeah, go watch Invincible if you get the chance on Amazon Prime. It's it's worth it. It's a good show. Um, yeah. So, so guys, uh, okay, so I just looked up Adam Eve. What are you yelling about? Like it's just a cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> a cartoon. But yeah. All right. So what? Yeah. You can't. Looks, you can't like. She looks like Gem with red hair. 
You can't you can't like Mrs. Jetson? What? Don't judge me. Can't like Daphne? Don't you do? Oh, there yeah. you Man likes what he likes. Is there Adam and Eve cosplay porn out yet, or is it too soon? Oh. Ooh. I never looked. There's got to be. <laughs> I never looked. <laughs> it's not um, they're missing a, a boatload of money. So what else, Frank? What else did you uh, watch? Let's see. Um, I saw two movies, but I guess since we're on the subject of comic book shows, I watched the first, like, three and a half so far episodes of Jupiter's Legacy, uh, which I just don't popped know what up that on... <laughs> Pops up on Netflix today. I think the whole first season's on there. It's like eight episodes, I want to say. Dick Belsky um, is Dick Belsky show up in it at all? When he mentioned he was on a big Netflix star, I was like, is he in Jupiter's Legacy somewhere? <laughs> but no, turns out no. Um, this was what based is Jupiter's on a Legacy? Book. Uh, it's uh, that Mark Miller guy wrote it uh, a couple years back, okay. and then there was like a spinoff kind of thing. Um, it's basically, a, it's about a family of superheroes and their friends, kind of, and it, it imagines this whole world where, you know, superheroes are kind of not super prevalent, but they have existed for a while. Um, there's, like, this main guy, the Utopian, who's kind of, you know, he's all about truth and justice and all this stuff and very old, old-timey old values, and uh, there's, like, a newer wave of heroes who are kind of more, you know, realistic and trying to bring in new new values and stuff like that. And uh, there's kind of a conflict between that. Like, his own kids are kind of shitty. Like, his daughter, like, basically is, is just as powerful as him, but she has decided to not be a hero, and it's just, like, on drugs and shit like that. <laughs> and just, you know, living the party in life. So, um, the show so far, not that good. Um, I like the comic oh. much more. Um, it's kind uh, of interesting... Because it kind of tells, it's telling like two, you know, concurrent stories, I guess, where it's telling the modern day stuff, and it's also going back in time to like the, the 20s or the 30s when these people originally got their powers, and it's kind of showing how they got their powers. Fuck. Uh, back in the day. <laughs> That's basically and, um, how I structured that comic book I was writing. That's exactly how I structured that comic book I was writing. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh shit! Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I well, to be fair, it. that's not how they did the comic. Like, the comic, it was all oh. modern day, but then they had the spinoff series that told all the back-in-the-day stuff. So the TV show is oh, kind of okay. the one that's jamming the two together. <laughs> all right. Um, well, then I guess I'm all right then. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit different. <laughs> but, again, it's one of these things where it seems like they're dragging stuff out. Like, the comic wasn't that long. It was like a mini series essentially. And they're really trying to drag this out and uh, focus in on stuff before really anything starts happening. So it's it's kind of a lot of nothing so far, but I don't know. Maybe it'll get better. All right. What was the other thing? Um, I saw two movies in the, in the uh, theater this week. I've been back at it. So I saw a movie oh. called Separation the other day. Um, Never heard of it. So good. Yeah, me neither. With uh, these movies coming out like during COVID times, it's kind of like I've never heard of this. I guess I'll just take a chance on it. Well, I, that doesn't make any sense. You, you got, you just told me I'd never turn Shutter on. Just take a buck home and watch what you're already paying for instead of like, well, I'll just go see yeah. it because it's out in the movie theater because I want a quesadilla. <laughs> you just want a quesadilla. 
Yep, that's it. You know me too well. Hey, uh, two things. Two things. It gets an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it also stars <laughs> Mamie Gummer. You remember Mamie Gummer yep. from uh, The Lifeguard? Or what was that? Or was that what, is that what it was? Yeah, the Lifeguard. The lifeguard. Or, yeah. yeah. Meryl Streep's right. daughter. Mamie Gummer. Meryl Streep's uh, daughter, Mamie yeah. Gummer. Mm-hmm. I, bet, I bet she's overrated, too, then. <laughs> yeah you'll like this mike dell um the movie it's about this guy it's really just it's they kind of bill it as being a horror movie but really it's just about divorce um uh, but this guy he's like a comic book artist and uh so okay. he, he's kind of trying to take care of his daughter so he's got to get a job and he gets a job with his buddy just being an inker uh or a tracer as we like to call You're it a fucking tracer <laughs> and, uh, i'm watching mall rats right now <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and uh, so he's going. He's he's working as an inker, and he like you know in some kind of horror movie type trance, like just takes a marker and makes this weird you know vaguely humanoid shape, but it's just you know shittily drawn marker guy basically. Not even with like rounded edges. Just you know just taking a marker and making a thing in a vaguely human shape. And he does this on a piece of paper, and it falls out in front of some guy, and this guy is trying to make this dark comic, and he sees this, this shitty drawing that could have been done by a four-year-old with a marker, and he's just like, oh, this is the guy. I want this guy to be my artist. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, this guy understands pain. I was like, oh, <laughs> God, this is terrible. <laughs> it's uh, it so, a one-line yeah. pitch for it. A lonely little girl finds solace in her artist father and the ghost of her dead mother. That's how it's described. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it's trying to be a horror movie, but then really not so much because the ghost really isn't the bad. She's just kind of there to protect her daughter, I guess. And it's just kind of, oh, the person who killed her mom is the bad thing in this whole thing. What a twist. Yeah. Not so good. Go. <laughs> I don't recommend it to anyone. Separation. Uh, but then yesterday, right. yesterday I saw Wrath of Man, uh, the new Jason Statham movie. Oh. Isn't Josh Hartnett in that? Uh, yeah, Josh Hartnett was in it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that Who guy from that? Mindhunter. Um... Remember, I was oh, like, Post oh, Malone not... was in it for a second. Oh, yeah. Post luckily, Malone. luckily he doesn't last long. <laughs> yep. Guy yeah, Ritchie. Happy. If he would have been, yeah. Scott Eastwood. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, don't recognize anyone else. So there you yeah, go. that's that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not terrible. There's some good high scenes and stuff. It, it's kind of one of these movies that, kind of like Jupiter's Legacy, it's telling the story in different different time periods. It's jumping all around. And, like, it kind of opens up with, you know, this one crime and some people die. And then eventually, like, halfway through the movie, it cuts back to that. And you see that same thing again from a different perspective. And then you see it again from another perspective. It's just like, I'm tired of this. Get back to the actual current day story, which was actually kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't want to see the same thing over and over again. But other than that, it was pretty good. It had some good moments. It's 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, there was some good high stuff going on. 
So it, it's not terrible. Um, or the, oh, I don't know how, it. like, no, not at all. <laughs> There's maybe a total of eight people. If how were the quesadillas? Maybe less. Uh, pretty good. Yesterday it was a little bit, they, I think they overcooked it a little bit, but. Or it dried out? Most of the time, pretty solid. <laughs> well, I like, you know, it was like burned on top. It was not black, but close. All right. Well, we have uh, some time for Tuffy to tell us about Twin Peaks. Tuffy, how many episodes did you watch this week? <laughs> uh, I watched uh, those A&E biographies about wrestling people. Oh. I hear they're yeah, I pretty good. Any of them. Yeah. I haven't watched any of them. Yeah, it was uh, Stone Cold, Roddy Piper, and I still got half an hour to go on Macho Man. But... Oh, yeah. People were upset. Took her cherry. People were upset with the Macho Man one because they uh, they said they, they covered up the dirt on Austin and Piper, but with Macho Man, they delved into him being a terrible person. <laughs> so how, how did you feel about that? Um, well, I feel like you could delve a little more than what I've seen so far because, like, uh, they just kind of hint at it. They don't really get into it. Like, the Macho Man one, they have, like, Miss Elizabeth, basically ran away to Hulk Hogan and his wife's place, said she was going to stay with them in Miami, and then just took off on them, and it packed up, like, all of her stuff when she left. So Macho Man comes down. Him and Hulk go to the hotel where she's staying and ask, oh, what's her room? Hulk says, we go up to the room, and then I just took off, so I don't really know what happened after that. And uh, the implication is, like, he probably beat the shit out of her. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Because uh, the, the story backstage uh, that always went around is that, before one pay-per-view, uh, Hogan had a black eye. And they're like, why, why do you have a black eye? Because Randy punched him in the face. Because Randy found out that Elizabeth was at their house, and Hogan never told him. And people said that Randy got mad because Hogan never told him. But then uh, Jim Cornette, uh, on one of his old shows, he says, no, no, that's not why Randy was mad. Randy was mad because Hogan let Liz stay there while she was seeing another guy. And Hogan was letting, like, was, was serving as, knowingly serving as her alibi while she was seeing another guy. That's why Randy was mad, and that's why Randy punched him. But Hogan doesn't tell it like that, because Hogan doesn't want to yeah. make it look like he was doing anything wrong. But, yeah. Well, because then uh, uh, I'm, like, at the end of the Gorgeous George or whatever. Like, I never watched that stuff. So I don't know yeah. much. Because um, I guess her one, thing is, like... One of the things... Oh, I'm sorry, but one of the things that they say Randy's creepy about, he put cameras in her house when her... Yeah, to watch her, her he's telling the story daughter, her he sister. was like cleaning his house and she's up in like the closet or something and she sees this little locked cabinet so she opens it up there's like eight monitors all with cameras in her house that she did not know about yeah and she has like a 16 year old sister who was staying with her or something or yeah and <laughs> she don't really get into the details of, of where the cameras were exactly but I think there's again an implication. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, so, I mean, the, the Austin stuff, yeah, it doesn't really get into the dirt, more of, like, the ups and downs of the wrestling stuff. And I thought the Piper one was really good because he's the only one who seems like he was, again, they, so obviously him and Ric Flair were out there just fucking anything they could is sort of the <laughs> implication. But Piper's family yeah. life was still good. Like, his wife, seems to understand that was happening and just didn't really care. 
Wow. That's a life. Yeah, uh, part of the life. Yeah. They were all good, I thought. Yeah, I, I should watch them. I haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah, um, Sam from what was I going to say about... Uh, is there a Lawler one this week or something? Uh, Booker T is on Sunday. No, Booker T. Lawler was... Lawler was on that Lost and Found show last week, where they go what to is that, Lost that? memorabilia. Lost treasures oh. or something. Is that the one with the Undertaker yeah, was on putting shit on? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> I think they go like week by week. They have some wrestler and they go find some missing piece of memorabilia for them. Yawn. Dude, uh, the the clip I saw, this guy's like a huge collector. He had this shirt that the King was wearing when he had his heart attack on Raw. Yikes. What the That's fuck? Crazy. Why would you buy that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, why would you have that as a... Good Lord. Disturbing. Yeah. Uh, they're there's all... Something else. I was going to say something like, else. They're all good. Cause even though I... Like, Austin's the only one of these three that I remember even watching, because I, I don't remember ever seeing Piper wrestled. And then Macho Man, I was, you know, like, probably not watching wrestling when I was five years old that much either. <laughs> like, I didn't know that Austin, oh, know he was what... supposed to... He was supposed to lose a match, and then he just, like, fucked off, basically quit, didn't come back. No. Well, he was supposed that. to they – wanted, they wanted him to wrestle Brock Lesnar on Raw, and he was supposed that's to job to Lesnar. Yeah. And, and he says, no, let's not do it. That's big money. Why are you giving it away on Raw? Because they were having a tournament. It was going to be, like, the first round of the tournament. He's going to lose to Lesnar. And he said, no, I'm not okay with that. Let's build up to it. And you know he didn't have a problem losing to Brock. He just didn't want to lose. Yeah, so there's no, no build up to it because that's big money. And he and he goes and he told Vince like, "Is that what you're going to do?" And Vince was like, "Yep, that's what we're going to do." And he's like, "All right." And when Austin said, "All right," he's like, "I'm not showing." Uh, his implication was, "I'm not showing up." <laughs> and Vince didn't hear. Yeah, like he that. got on a plane back right. to Texas. So, yeah, so yeah, he went away for a while. But uh, and uh, Jim Ross helped smooth it over eventually, uh, but. Oh, what do you want to say about Macho Man, Larry? You know, the Stephanie rumors. Everyone says that's why he was never invited back to WWE, and um, that's why they don't like him anymore. But it seems like the truth of the matter is Vince was really upset because when uh, Macho Man left, he took the Slim Jim contract with him. And at the uh, time, yeah. WWE was in financial straits. They were almost broke. They needed all the money they could, and and that Slim Jim contract was $750,000 a year or something like that. And Yeah, they so, have an interview with uh, Bischoff when he's like, yeah, that was the easiest thing because basically Vince had stuck him on commentary. Macho Man still wanted to wrestle, so he just went to WCW, and he was like, I didn't have to pay him anything because Slim Jim was paying him seven hundred fifty grand a year. Yeah, because they were saying like Macho was too old, but I think at the time he was only like 35 or something like that. Yeah. He said he's too old to wrestle in WWE. But uh, so Vince wanted to keep the contract and use uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Macho Man took the contract with him. So that's why Vince has always been mad at him and hasn't brought him back. Uh, I, 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 I just would have never had him back for the hair. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of old wrestling. Slim Jim's every, every night. I uh, to go to sleep. I'm watching old like uh, NWA stuff and old WCW stuff, and uh, so the the other day I woke up in the morning and the 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 uh, the pay per view the Bash at the Beach was on where Hogan turned and went NWO. It was right when he was oh, yeah, about to come down the aisle. Like yeah. I watched that whole match, 
But they really fucked it up. Like, have you ever seen the match with the commentary and everything? Uh, no, I mean, not since that night, no. Because they made it, like, painfully obvious Hogan was coming down to join the NWO. <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't a, Like, they kept, like, tripping over them. So, like, it, I don't know. It was pretty clear that it was going to be Hogan coming down. And, and then, like, when he's walking down the aisle, he didn't even says, whose side is he going to be on, though? Like, okay, come yeah, on. <laughs> like, yeah, I do remember that, yes. <laughs> like, they fucked it up so bad. Um, but that was still a big deal. But the other night I watched something, Larry, from, like, 1988 NWA era, uh, a bunkhouse brawl match. Apparently they did this every year. They'd get, all, they'd get like, nine dudes. They'd have a tournament, and whoever got the most wins in these tournaments, they'd get the top nine people because uh, this tournament would last for a couple months. They'd put them in a steel cage, and then to win, you had to be the last person left in the cage. So to eliminate someone, you had to throw them out the door or over and out of the cage. My God. That's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you ever go near the door? Just stand in the corner. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, just get in the other corner. But I guess uh, Dusty Rhodes won it like three times. So he was the champion of the bunkhouse brawl. Yeah, I was never a big Dusty fan. I'm going to be honest with you. Neither was I. Neither was I. Uh, oh, mm. but you know what's awesome is uh, like a lot of the shows I'm watching are like 93-ish or so, but it's right when Jesse Ventura comes on commentary for WCW. So he got Jesse yeah. on commentary. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. He was he was a good commentator. Uh, yeah, the best. So uh, what else? Oh, he's the best. He's the best. That's the best. Um, yeah, the other thing in the uh, Macho well, Man one is like... Jim Ross. No, oh, give me a break. All right, go ahead, Tubby. The other thing in the Macho one is like that early 90s uh, WCW crew, none of them have aged well. <laughs> like, like well, uh, who, who was I, I mean, I guess like Hogan's looking okay, but like Jake, I mean, I guess I knew Jake the Snake was worn down and then like... Uh, at one point, someone showed up because some of the not everybody's a wrestler. Some of them are like fans or backstage people. Someone shows up and I was like, "Who's that?" And it popped up Lex Luger. It's like Lex. What the uh, fuck yeah. happened to yeah. him? He, he looks like a deflated well, balloon. Well, he's been in a wheelchair. He uh, he had all kind of back yeah. problems, and and apparently I, they're doing a documentary on him right now for WWE. It should be coming out soon on one of those icon shows. But he was. He paralyzed himself by just one day he was uh, just sitting on the couch and he cracked his neck and he paralyzed himself. Yikes. Because huh. I crack my neck constantly, all the time. I do not. And like, and and like also, his back uh, and spine were so bad, it just, that was the last straw and he paralyzed himself. Does like uh, all the 80s WWE guys who went to WCW were just taking every drug under the sun, which I yeah. already knew that, but pretty that, much. That's, that's what I mean. People. People today say wrestling's so bad, like there's no great characters, you know, because they're not all hopped up on cocaine. Like every in the '80s and '90s, all those great memorable characters, they were all high as fuck and going nuts <laughs> yeah, on cocaine one, and uh, amphetamine. There's like, an interview with George, and George where she's talking about how uh, Macho Man was always walking around with a thousand dollars of ecstasy in his fanny pack. Yeah. And there was one instance she remembered where they were both just high as shit when they came out in these red sequence stuff and they're showing the clips. And she's like, everybody was wondering what the hell he was talking about. We were so high, we didn't even know what we were doing. <laughs> Who said that? Yeah, but like, Gorgeous George. Hey, remember Gorgeous George, that blonde girl? Um, oh, that was like his, uh, kind of. He had Mrs. Congeniality. Who, congeniality who yeah, was, she uh, was just a... Or Miss Madness. She moved to Tampa to be a stripper. Met Macho Man her first night in Tampa, and then she was on WCW. 
Well, well, here's another little bit that Jim Cornette, uh, I learned from listening to Jim Cornette and his story. But he calls her Gorgeous George because at the time, Randy bought the gimmick Gorgeous George from, like, the family of the original Gorgeous George. He paid to own the gimmick. And the thought was he was going to give it to his brother Lanny, his Lanny Poffo. He, he had dyed his hair blonde. Yeah. And it looked like they were going – but then Randy met that stripper, and he gave it to her instead. <laughs> Fuck you, Lanny. I'm giving it to the stripper I met. But, uh, yeah, when Randy is in WCW, he had two girls with him all the time. One was Miss Madness, who dressed like a beauty pageant with a sash, and that was Molly Holly. And then you had uh, um, Gorgeous George was the other one. But, yeah. So It says yeah. Gorgeous George, real name – Stephanie Bellars, uh, yeah. and uh, it says parentheses later officially changed her name to George Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. odd. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> it was taking on the name of her husband, Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. <laughs> so she was married after. Oh, all right. Huh. I have no idea. Wow. Wild, wild stuff. I kind of don't yeah, remember like, her too much. I liked her back in the day. I like you know who the best WCW girl was was Kimberly Page. Holy what? fuck! Oh my god, no. yes. Well, first, Yo, well, first yeah. of all, Larry. First of all, Larry, WCW. You're forgetting like you know Stacy Keebler started there. Nah. Uh, so I hear you, but I like Stacy Keebler in WWE. But she was prominent there. Uh, and also, we had the other one. Who, who was the other big famous one uh, from there? The other blonde, who's smoking hot. She still looks good. Um, from what's WCW? her name? The, big fa- the other famous one. Yeah, and she went to WWE then, too. Why can't I? I'm so old. Tori I can't Wilson? Her name now. Tori Wilson. Tori Wilson, yeah. Uh, she was in WCW? Oh. I love Kimberly Yeah, they both Page. started there. Holy shit. But come on, like, you know, she was making the sweet, sweet love to Diamond Dallas Page. That's all right. He seems like he's a good guy, though. There's also a fun undercurrent to the the Macho Man one, because you have, like, they're talking about him and his relationship with Miss Elizabeth and with Gorgeous George, and it's like Hulk Hogan talking about this. Bubba the Love Sponge is a frequent commentator, and it's like, so Hulk Hogan, who slept with his wife, and they're talking about stories when Hulk with his wife and him and Miss Elizabeth, and it's like, all these people are so fucked up. They were all high and taking all the steroids at this time. Yeah. Like, how does anyone even remember what uh, happened in the early 90s? (laughs) That's what Cornette was saying. One of his complaints was that they had too many talking heads, and, like, why was Bubba the love sponge there? And, uh, like, they could have told – they said they could have told the story without Bubba the love sponge. They didn't need him there. Um, Well, I assume he was around with Hulk and Macho when they were still friends. Since Hulk is good friends with him. It's pretty weird having both him and Hogan on the same show now when, you know, yeah. how that went. You'd think. Mm. So, maybe uh, maybe they've gotten over it. I don't know. Yeah, so the A, A, uh, A&E documentaries, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll give them a whirl. Yeah, check them out. Pretty good. All right, well, we're about out of time. Running out of show quick. So uh, I guess we should thank the Tuffy and Jank and thank Dick the Larry. Dunky. And thanks to Dick Belsky, Beyond the Headlines, Amazon.com. Yep. Go to his virtual book tour that next Thursday at 7, Mystery mm-hmm. Lovers Book Club, or bookstore. Sorry, Mystery Lovers Bookstore in Pittsburgh. Go to their website. 
find the link. <clears throat> yep, and the link to, to Amazon is down below in the description of the show. No thanks to Blog Talk for trying to censor Pigbelsky. Yeah, fuck Blog Talk. Yeah, thanks for Blog Talk. Yeah, no thanks to you assholes. Uh, what about mm-hmm. flea market fantasy, Mike Dell? What's going on? Uh, we recorded a Flash episode uh, yesterday. Uh... Fucking 80 pages of Flash. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, but I think at the moment we we have a, a Kevin Jank episode up discussing the Dazzler. So you can go listen That's to Kevin right. Jank talk about Dazz. Nice. And then uh, our buddy Porkcarrot is joining us next week to record an episode of uh, discussing Excalibur. Excalibur. Ooh. Like, like the sword in the stone bullshit? No. Nope. It's a shoot off oh, okay, of the X Men. Okay. Oh, good, good, With good. Kitty Pride. Yeah, yeah. All right. That, that's good. Um, I saw Mike L. threatened you with a 100 page Batman something when you were bitching <laughs> on that. About the 80 page Flash <laughs> the other day. He is such a ridiculous person, this Mike L. I don't know. 80 pages of Flash. Holy fuck. Uh, I'm taking it it wasn't good. No, it was terrible. <laughs> did he run it did real have a talking fast. monkey. It did have a talking monkey, so that was pretty cool. Oh, that's but, something. Uh, yeah. All it's right, and... Uh, powers, right? Jank, what about Mackie's Clubhouse? What's going on? Uh, two more episodes next week, and we're getting close to the end here. I uh, I did watch episodes twelve or eleven and twelve this week already. And oh boy, God. twelve is just as good as I remembered it. Oh. Yeah, we're almost done. Three episodes to go and it's over. So yeah. that's that. And Tuffy, what about uh Obedient Worker? How's that coming? <laughs> I don't know. Dick Belsky's written three books and Mike Bell hasn't finished it yet. <laughs> yeah, he's like the cousin Brandon of of I've read two damn pages. I've been working a lot this week, so it's good to making money, but at the same time, I'm not doing anything else. But, um, Just send it over to me. I'll write yeah. the last two pages for you. <laughs> yeah. You're, do you ever say make money, make money, money? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I've right. and I've written like the final two pages of the book, but it's like a, I went back and I, had, I wanted to add a chapter. I had to put a chapter in, so I got to. Just, just put the Oscar cardboard cut out in the closet for a day, and you'll finish the book. <laughs> Am I on a bike? <laughs> you are not on a bike. Yeah. You think oh, after, man. like, I've been asking for at least 20 years, can I be on a bike in one of your books? <laughs> maybe oh, something. Hey, maybe oh, wow. Dick Bell, he's writing... He's writing three books uh, every couple of weeks, right? Maybe Dick Belsky will put you on a bike. <laughs> he is cranking them out. It seems pretty quick. He's a fucking machine. Yeah. Holy hell. The story was he's three he was, you know, locked in his house with quarantine. Mike Bell, you've been locked in your house your whole life. But but I'm working. He's a, he's living the life of a retiree. You know, he's retired. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't you know? sound retired. Well, he's writing, but he's, he's, he's not cranking. doing a day job. He's cranking these things out like they're like UFC pay-per-views and shit. <laughs> Every couple of weeks, bam, here's another book. He has to do them under two names. Marvel Puzzle Quest. He's a woman. He has to write one. Yeah, he has to do them under two names. Well, Dana's kind of like an androgynous name, so it could go either way, you know. Right, but, uh, but he made. He said he would have a 
a voice change and stuff, and I assumed he meant he was going to change the pitch and be a woman. <laughs> well, I think we'll he alluded see. to the fact that it was a woman. Like, he's writing too many books for one person. He has to be a second person to handle mm-hmm. all the books he's writing. Yes, right. he's he's his own he's his own Pepe, you know, multiplicity over there. Except <laughs> all one. She touched my Pepe, Dick Belsky. <laughs> she touched my Dick Belsky. But anyway, go buy his book. And oh, that's uh, like before and after, before and after in Jeopardy. He just did a before and after. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. What else? I guess that's it. Uh, what are we doing next week? Do we know? I mean, besides well, the movie. Miami connection. Miami connection. I mean, do we have anybody we like is Brandon threatening again or anything Maybe. like that? Maybe. We'll, we'll uh, play it by ear if Brandon shows mm-hmm. up. So nothing, but uh, all right. Oh, uh, I know um, Aaron C. Thompson wants to come back on. I don't know. Oh, all right. I don't know. He, he messaged me last weekend, and I was like, well, we got Dick Belsky this week, but after that, we're wide open. So I don't know. I don't know what he wants to talk about, but he has something he wants to talk to you about. All right. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. All right. So next Another week, Miami up. Connection. Uh, go to One Nine Books, buy books, and then go buy Dick Belsky's Beyond the Headlines. All right. Pass the gin, Governor. <laughs>